Morning Project presents. Welcome back, GBGP fans. It's that time for yet another episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. Episode 25 is now underway. 30 days removed since our last recording, much has happened in the world of gaming. Nintendo Switch has seen a successful launch. Platinum games have gotten back to their high scoring ways with a stellar release. In Fudge Everything You Love, the game. Another GDC is now in the history books. Mercy and Farah are no longer together. Fire Pro is back. And much, much more. Your ears are once again joined by myself, Anthony, alongside current gaming force at EGM, ex game fan and play writer, designer, morning radio host, SMT and Vita fangirl, FGC scrub, Gothic Lolita, princess in training, the one, the only, Molly. You're just reading my Twitter profile. That's so weird. <laughs> I know how I feel about that. My Twitter profile is just nonsense put together in a long string of words. <laughs> you forgot DMs open. My DMs are open. <laughs> I forgot that part. <laughs> I have five more followers here. That's weird. Um, that's a lot of stuff. Like, I, yeah, like, it is. We have actually like a lot of stuff to cover. And it's a lot of like exciting stuff, I feel like. Yeah, a lot of good stuff, a lot of positive stuff.、Uh, you know, it's, it seems like there's always a, lot, a, a dark cloud,、uh, whether it be Black Friday, the holidays, you know, craziness,、uh, not being satisfied with certain titles on the market or lack thereof. But、uh, first quarter 2017, and we've said this before on our last recording, I mean, it has just been nonstop. Gaming is fun right now. I would agree with that statement. It's, it's like it's too fun. And I mean, I'm going to mention this again later when we get to a certain game. But yeah, there's like, it's, it's I don't know. Like, I, I already feel like so positive about 2017. It could like just come crashing down as we get further into the year. But like, I already、right. feel like this is going to be a really good year of gaming. I mean, I, I'm not, how could it get much better? But, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not just try, trying to argue you. I think th- there's still a lot of stuff in the pipeline, obviously, stuff that we still don't know about. You know, E3 is a couple months away. But, I mean, seriously, we're, we're, we've got multiple games that have exceeded scores of nines, and we've even got some tens in there on some recent releases. And it's like, you know, how much better are we going to get than near perfection? So, I mean, okay, you know, I'll say it now then.、Um, so,、uh, my review slate. For this year, just, just this year. And, and, and granted, we're not even two and a half months into 2017.、Uh, I have reviewed Project Diva Future Tone, which I gave a 9.5. I reviewed Gravity Rush 2, which I gave a 9. I reviewed Neo, which I gave a 9. I just got done reviewing Neo Automata, which we're going to talk about. I gave it 8.5. And I, obviously, the next game on my list would be Persona 5. Which, from what I'm hearing so far, will probably be in the nine range, if not a ten.、Um, that's, like, that's like so crazy. Like, I can't believe like, just how many good games I've already reviewed this year that simply from Japan. And that's not even counting games like you know, Yakuza Zero that I didn't even touch. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I need to clarify this for listeners. You know, obviously, longtime listeners know this, but you know, when it comes to Molly, You know, she's not that 
when I say not that generous with the scores, I don't mean that in a negative um, in a negative way. But when she gives a high score, it's it's warranted, or at least in her mind, you know, with proper uh, you know reasons and and you know a, a true playthrough. So to have so many titles above an eight nine range, not even a quarter into 2017, is like stunning. I mean, so I'm going back <clears throat> and I'm looking at the beginning of January. So my first four reviews for the beginning of I mean, sorry, of, of 2016. My first four reviews of that year were Resident Evil Zero HD, Gravity Rush Remastered, Street Fighter V, and Dark Souls Three. So that I mean, those like two great games. Gravity Rush is a great game. Resident Evil Zero isn't a bad game, but <clears throat> then we had like you know Sega 3D Classics, Zero Time Dilemma. So it was like kind of like your average like slate of games. But yeah, this this year has just been it's been. 9, 8.5. It's just been like these fantastic games just nonstop. And I said, at least the next game I'm going to review probably is going to be the same thing. It's just like, this is a crazy year already. And if you're somebody who loves Japanese gaming, like I've seen so many people who are like, you know, I'm I'm just getting buried right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, literally, and I've said this before in the past, but like gaming could stop right now for a solid year and we wouldn't be able to get through uh you know everything on our plate yeah and i mean you know i'm playing these games obviously because of of work but sure you know i mean project divas you know you could spend probably 100 hours in in that game just because of the way it works gravity rush 2 i think was like a 25 maybe 30 hour game neo was a pretty long game near i got like 37 hours you could easily get 50 out of it i think with all the side quests and everything Persona 5 is going to probably be a 100-hour game. You know, Yakuza, I think, is probably a pretty long game, right? Yeah, especially with all the, the side you know side missions and things of that nature that you can do. And I'm trying to think of any of the big Japanese games that have come out, like other... Well, the big, I mean, the big one, the, the 500-pound but pink elephant in the room is, you know, Zelda. Yeah, Zelda, of course, yeah. But, the, you know, the thing with that is I, I picked that up uh, at launch with the switch and we'll get more into that here momentarily and you know i'm i'm mr guilty when it comes to opening up a bunch of games at once you know getting a chunk of the way in and and moving on and and going back and forth and uh, add but you know i have picked up some of those titles you just rattled off but i have been good and i have not cracked them open because i've really been sticking to zelda the last week so it's very tough for me not to open up near because I watched the launch trailer and everyone knows I'm a big Platinum Games fan and this this has been getting really high praise. Um, you know, I, I can't wait to give it a shot. I still have Berserk unopened. I don't say Berserk is out there too. Yeah, I've got literally, because like I said, you know, I'm usually guilty. I'll pop them in, install them, mess around with them. Right now for PlayStation 4, I've got, I think, four titles unopened that I told myself I, I told myself I might crack open near this weekend. Uh, kind of as a treat to mess around with it, only if I put another chunk into Zelda. But I've got Nier sitting there, Horizon, Berserk, and the physical disc release of Ultimate Marvel Capcom 3, which hit GameStop. Which I'm thinking about picking up because I, it's it might be like a one run and that's it kind of thing. That wouldn't surprise me. And it yeah. does have uh, very nice box art as well. And then and then Japanese-wise, I forgot, uh, we just got... A new Atari game, Atari Furies. 
<laughs> and I'm not la- I'm not laughing at you. When I went there the other night, they mentioned it when I was in line, and I'm just like, wow, that's another game yes. that like they've got so many like sequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the tales. It's like the tales series. Well, and we got a tales. We got tales of Berseria, just <laughs> just in January, which supposedly is actually a really good tales game. Yeah. And I forgot we just got Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, yeah. So course, I mean, yeah, that's, like, how many Japanese? This is so crazy. Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's you could uh, I mean like the first two and a half months like okay let's let's say three that way we just have a few more extra days to get yeah. Persona Five first in there. quarter right like you could stop at Persona Five and if you haven't played any of these you could have the like you were kind of saying the entire rest of the year nothing but fantastic Abs- Japanese gaming and you, you already have enough for a year yeah absolutely yeah I don't I don't know what they can follow it up with uh, the rest of the year and I don't want to sound like a broken record like when I when I've been playing Zelda and, you know, we saw the trailers for that, I'm like, you know, is there really that much to do? I think we discussed, like, um, especially with Japanese development or, you know, trying to catch up to the West. You know, are they showing these sprawling, beautiful landscapes and there's really not that much to do? I got to tell you something. I mean, you could kill a whole afternoon just in one, like, one small section in that game. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is spoilers because nobody will have any, like, context as to what's going on story-wise or what's going you know what what i did but you know people who have played it know the first area of the game the first like mission we'll call it before you get a certain item which really lets you advance further in the game which most people could you could probably blaze through it in a couple hours it took me longer than that but like anyone who knows getting from point a to point b in zelda isn't just a matter of following the marker on the map and like following a straight line and getting there, even if you're like trying to maintain that mindset, you will without question, like you will see something or something will catch your eye or something will sway your attention to something different along the way. And which is how the game is, you know, I right. believe is supposed to be played because I was reading some interviews and stuff on it. And you could kill a whole day. Before you even get like to the next mar, like I'm, I mean, real day, like in real life, before you get to that next, you know, main mission or whatever. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, no, like I, said, like I was telling um, Anthony before the show started, uh, like three of my coworkers had just spent their entire day today when they weren't doing work, like playing Zelda. And just getting stuff done, and like they'd go talk to each other, and like, oh my god, I just saw this crazy thing. Have you seen this before? You know, and oh, I just found this or that, and and I've seen a few videos online of people playing it, and yeah, it just seems like this. Like, I think everybody was not everybody, but a lot of people were worried about an open world Zelda if it would work, right, on this kind of level, and it seems to be working fantastically. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean. I don't know if you want me to blab about it now since we're uh, in on it. Well, I was going to say real quick, before you do that, uh, I have to, as we're talking about these these numbers and everything, I do have to also say, because of uh, my beloved Vita, that (laughs) uh, so NAS America had a kind of event between between our shows, and NAS America alone has nine Vita games coming out this year in North America. So for anybody who says Vita is dead, one one publisher just by themselves has nine. And then today we have another company 
who just announced they're doing some special editions of Vita games physically. So, okay, I'm going to throw you a bone here, okay? Because I uh, on the Vita front, I was thinking about this like a couple weeks ago when I was sitting down. Um, uh, this is very ironic. So, is it fair to say before I make my next statement? Is it fair to say this past handheld generation between Vita and 3DS that 3DS like in terms of titles, like I'm not talking about quality or whatever, like that it's a whole different discussion and the type of market and the niche market of, um, you know, visual novels and all that whole different ball game. But is it fair to say that the 3DS kind of blew away Vita? Yeah. In that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I want to make sure I'm not talking out my butt, but I found it very ironic when I was reading your uh, tweets about that and the number of games like and this is official like these numbers aren't made up for Vita like this is real this isn't all like coming from homebrew or these are like official packaged releases I find it very ironic and crazy that there's more officially known coming in the pipeline for Vita right now <laughs> than 3DS oh and by by which by is mul- weird multiples yes which is really odd. Now, we can make the argument the few titles known on 3DS are like more mainstream, like potential bigger sales, like for your Fire Emblem fans, you know, sure. in particular. But just in terms of sheer official number, like not like website exclusives or homebrew in someone's room, I could, I was thinking about that and I'm like, that's stunning. Well, I mean, I think part of it is. You know, no matter what they're saying, it's kind of obvious that, that I think Nintendo wants the, the 3DS to go away sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And I think 3DS works in kind of a different way in, in just that, like, the... Like, I think they don't make as big a deals about games coming to the 3DS. You know, for example, like, at the NS event, they actually did announce two 3DS games. They announced Cold Sep Revolt and then oh, okay. yeah, that's <clears throat> RPG right. Maker Fest. Um, yes, but I feel like there's not the excitement of announcing and promoting 3DS games coming in the future quite on the same level as the Vita is, because I, I think like the Vita, it's it's kind of think if you think about, um, you know, back in the Genesis days, right? Genesis games probably just appear on a shelf, and they'd be there and be like, oh, hey, there's a new Genesis game coming out, but if a new like Neo Geo game was coming out because it's a much smaller and more hardcore audience, there'd be a bigger deal made about announcing that kind of stuff because you want to get that fandom excited for it because if they're not excited and they don't buy it, then nobody's buying that game. Yeah. Catering to that yeah. laser sided specific audience Yeah, versus, you know, like people like me, obviously like we just saw, like I'm paying super close attention to what's going on for beta announcements Right. Versus 3DS and like, oh, okay, that game's coming out. That's kind of cool, you know. So I, I don't think you have to have as much of a focus on getting those kind of getting ahead of stuff and announcing it too early. But I also think this year is going to be not a great year for 3DS. Like I feel like it's the same kind of thing we saw it kind of with the Wii and we're seeing it with the Wii U, where I feel like support for it just stops very quickly i hope you, i i can't really argue that i hope you're wrong the only i mean the only argument anyone can make against that to give a little more life to the 3ds is the install base right 
but I totally get what you're saying. I mean, that would make me sad because I really, you know, the deal. I, and I think you enjoy the 3DS as well. You've always oh, yeah. been vocal and said, you've always said there are two different experiences between the Vita and 3DS or the original DS and PSP. Yep. You've always drawn that line in the sand. But the, yeah, the 3DS has had, uh, it had a rocky start, but a great run. And I hope they don't just drop it um, like a bad habit, so to speak, over overnight. Because here's the thing, you know, the Switch is, has had a successful launch. I'm pleased with it. You know, and it's got it's got a seemingly positive future. But at the same time, you know, that install base there obviously is going to take a couple years before they get to what the 3DS has. I think, I think you're not going to see much of anything from Nintendo going forward, honestly. I mean, I think there's a few games still coming out, you know, that have already been announced. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Fire Emblem and a few other things, but I I feel like they're gonna drop it pretty quick. And on the Vita, you had a weird situation where you know Sony completely dropped it at a certain point. Yeah, weird. Like I want to say, is it fair to say like within the first year? I had this. Conversation I wouldn't say first year. I'd say maybe like two and a half years in. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the rest of the companies then pick up the slack. Whereas I kind of I kind of feel like with Nintendo platforms is that once you can tell Nintendo doesn't care as much anymore, that that kind of dooms it for everything. Yeah, then nobody can. Then that's it. Like when they're out, then that's it. Yeah, it's like I I, I feel mm. like there's not there's not you know the 3ds isn't going to live on for three more years, kind of like the Vita has. When do you think? I mean, we're so jumping the gun. We the the smoke hasn't even cleared off the switch yet. But let's say by the end of the year, they kill off the 3ds essentially in the next nine months. When does Nintendo have the cojones or gall to even hint at another successor or handheld to 3ds, or do they really just truly ride that switch wave out for? a bit more before they dare open their mouth if that success continues. I mean, there, the thing is, is there, you know, if you think back to when the DS came out, right, and there was a famous kind of third pillar line where, oh, the DS isn't replacing the Game Boy. It's its own category. It's a third pillar that we're going to have. Yeah. And that, I, that was yeah. complete BS. Right? You know, that because the, the, the Game Boy went away very, very quickly. I dec- uh, yeah, and I, I'm, yeah, and I don't want. I was going to say something really nerdy, and I'm going to plug where I remember this is off memory. I don't know if anyone out there watches. Did you know gaming on YouTube? But uh, there's a plug there. It's a really good uh, YouTube channel. They update maybe once or twice a week. They do about five to eight minute videos on histories of certain gaming products or franchises. Anyway, I remember watching one several months ago. I think it was on the DS, and it was. I think it was you're jogging my memory because you're talking about the successor to Game Boy and how they were Nintendo was tentative at the time and kind of dipping their toe in the water, so to speak. And I don't think they wanted it to tarnish the Game Boy name in case the DS didn't work out. Right. And and I think they were also saying things such as like the rumored name, like for the DS. I don't know if it was in the same incarnation was like the City Boy instead of the Game Boy. A lot of weird stuff like that. But you're right, like. Since that Game Boy, Game Boy Advance lineup, we've gotten a DS and 3DS, but Nintendo has never really stated that it's that was the successor, the true successor to Game Boy. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, that's what it became. Of course, because they know how, yeah, right, because in the last decade, that, that's been their handheld. Right. And and we're in a point now where Nintendo's saying, oh, the Switch isn't going to replace our handhelds, but I feel like it kind of has to. Um, but at the same time, 
they get in trouble if they try that because if they have no like low cost option for handhelds, then they're mm-hmm. losing the market that's made the Game Boy and the DS popular. You know, the fact that you could go out and spend 130, 140 bucks, get your kid a handheld and put some games on it. Like, I, you know, the, one of the things floating around, and I, I kind of like the idea, but maybe I don't, is do they make a portable only Switch? You know, the, yeah, do they make a smaller, been, yeah. a smaller unit where the controllers don't come off? And it plays all Switch games, but they can maybe maybe make it cheaper, hopefully. But I don't know if they can make it cheaper is the question. Like, how, how much cheaper can they make it? So I feel like if they have no cheap handheld, then they're really screwing themselves over on a market that's been really good to them for a long time. But if they do have a handheld, a new one, a separate one, I, I worry that they get back <clears throat> to being in the place of having to spread their resources. And I think we've seen that Nintendo is not good at doing that. At least in mm-hmm. at least in late, late in recent years they haven't been. Mm-hmm. They need to fo- I think <clears throat> I think they need to focus everything they have on one platform. You know, one Splatoon, one Mario Kart, one Mario, one Zelda, that kind of idea. And have one system that has a lot of really good games for it. Cuz I think having two systems with half as many good games for them like doesn't work anymore let me ask you this i was almost going to pose this question to you but you don't have a switch so that was going to be a dumb question of mine the co-workers uh that have the switch are they using it more in tv mode or handheld mode from what uh, they've told you um i've kind of seen it like half and half i i because i mean everything i've heard is that zelda runs better in handheld Mm-hmm. So I think people are playing it more handheld, but like one of my coworkers, I'm trying to think of like just today, one of my coworkers was playing it on screen, on TV, and then two of them were playing it handheld wise. Mm-hmm. And and not that this means anything. Uh, I just looked at Amazon out of curiosity, and in their coming soon section, Amazon has four 3DS games listed, and they have nine Vita games listed. I'm assuming the four 3DS are the ones we mentioned: Coldcept, RPG, Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem. Well, that's the problem. Is like, uh, it's Fire Emblem, Mario Sports Superstars. Oh, I forgot about that. Runbow, and then Farming Simulator 18. Oh, go oh, go. Oh. But to be, but on the on the Vita side, to be fair, there's a lot of games that have been announced that they just don't have up yet for for pre-ordering. Right. So there's they're right. missing a lot of stuff. So the question too is like on the 3DS side. How much are they missing? Because so, yeah, they're they're missing called Sep and um, RPG, RPG Maker. Phase. But I think the thing now. Let me ask you this, and I know there's a couple of exceptions. But on the 3ds, are there really that many games that come out digital only? There's a few I can think of off the top of my head. Are you talking full? Okay, obviously yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't want to be stupid. Full I know. retail kind of because I mean I can think of uh, like one of the Phoenix or a couple the, of the Phoenix rides. You got it. You got and it. And then Fe- Phoenix rides. Yep. Um, uh, Rhythm Heaven, the latest Rhythm Heaven, came out digital only. But I guess what I'm asking you is because I feel like there aren't that many 3DS games that ever come out. Um, if they don't come out physically as well, where on the opposite side I feel like. Companies with Vita games are much more comfortable at releasing them digital only. So right. I think that too kind of helps the Vita have more games as we go forward. 
because there needs to be less chance of having to actually print up cartridges. I'm going to make a random statement since we're on this handheld topic. Do you know what you do you know what handheld in hindsight I'm sorry I never picked up and I know exactly why I didn't do it at the time and it was due to the physical media but now in 2017 like for whether it be for collection purposes or wanting to go back and play stuff I'm very sorry I had never got a PSP Go. I, I actually have one. I know you do. Yes. I, I remember the Japanese one, the white yep. one. Yeah, it looks awesome. I think they're actually kind of expensive now too. I th- yeah, they're very tough. I remember at the time I'm kind of like, well, why do I want this? Because I own a ton of PSP right. games and they're on the UMD media. But, you know, with the way the digital accounts have worked and Sony's been good about it, you know, and this was obviously a handful of years ago now, if I could have predicted the future... I would have I would have done a PSP Go and done the bulk of my stuff digitally. Well, the nice part about that too is, you know, if you don't, I mean, you don't you don't have to be illegal about it because I've actually done it. But, um, you know, you can you can get anything you want onto the PSP Go because of the custom firmware. Mm, 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 and mm. I've actually I actually ripped my own UMDs. So I've, really? I've done that process. Yeah, it's it's if you have wow. if you have a PSP that has the the UMD drive on it, it's actually really easy to do. No kidding. Um, but so if you do it that way, or if you get them, the games from less less uh, or more nefarious means, mm-hmm. it's very easy to put anything you want onto the PSP Go, including wow. some some amount of emulators and stuff. So, wow. So yeah, it's 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 actually a neat little handheld. I don't use it that much, but it actually it's. It's really neat because also it has probably the best PSP screen that's ever been. Oh wow! So, hmm. Well, see, I, I was I was thinking you were going to say the uh, Atari Lynx two. That's the one I was expecting. You know, so <laughs> I was very close at one time uh, in my younger days to getting a Lynx. But uh, as I've said before in the show, the first handheld I ever got in my life was the Neo Geo Pocket. That's a heck of a way to start, though. Yeah, I never had a handheld before it. I always thought, I mean, mind you, I was younger and this is, you know, less money and all that kind of stuff. You know, I always thought handhelds were kind of stupid. And, like, I never liked the Game Boy at the time due to the color and Game Gear was cool. But, you know, the deal, like, didn't have much support. I think the only handheld prior to um, Neo Geo Pocket that I kind of wanted at the time, but I think it was seen as very expensive and was the... um, Oh my God! Why am I forgetting? What was the handheld Genesis? Oh, the 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 Nomad. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I never had a I Nomad. Like I I remember um the 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 Turbo Express was the one I always really. Wanted. Yes, I looked at that too. Yes, wasn't it like two ninety nine. It was really expensive. That was like a ninety two or something. Like I remember seeing that at Toys R Us. See, I I feel like too. It's like I feel like you could make that so awesome these days. Because you can make mm-hmm. it so small and then have it actually properly, like, big and, and nice quality screen. And then still use, like, the carts and everything. But, yeah, it was, like, a tiny little display and it wasn't really super great. But, I mean, they all weren't. Right. Like, Game Gear was the same way. And Lynx right. was the same way. Yeah, I I had, um, I had a, it, which, which, in hindsight, it was a probably a really bad idea. But I had a Game Boy. I had a decent library built up for it and then i sold my game boy and all the games in order to get a Lynx. which oh wow you i didn't know you had a yeah Lynx. which library wise was a really poor choice i loved the links for what it had but you know didn't really have much in the way of gaming period 
and then I had Game Gear, and then I never got um, to the Turbo Express. I had a Neo Geo Pocket Color. I, I didn't have the Neo Geo Pocket. I just had the color. Yeah, the black and white yeah. one. Yeah, you've got a good memory, the black and white one. Yeah, yeah, I had the color. I loved the color. I had a really, really... That's the one I had. Yeah, by, yeah nice that's the one I had. collection by for it that I then sold. Um, wow. I had a roommate who had a game.com, so I never had to buy that. Oh, my God. I think Neil, ha- I think Neil had one. That was that tiger? Yes. <laughs> I think he has a version of Resident Evil or Resident Evil 2 yeah, on there. Yeah, I think, wow. it, I think it's really, Yeah, I think it was 2. And you could actually plug it into like you could plug a, a, a phone cord into it and use the internet on it. Um, you're jogging my memory. You know what I remember selling at Babbage's back in the day. Do you remember the Nokia N gauge? I was going to say that next. Yeah, I never had one, Oof. but I definitely yes, the Taco Phone. Whew. Which made which made the uh, wise choice of having every game be tall screen instead of widescreen. Oh wow! Well, like yeah. you're back in the arcades. Yes. To give it a little bit of credit, though, uh, in a weird way, it was kind of uh, predicting the future in a way. Yeah, yeah. Like the uh, concept, yeah. the concept was that you know what I mean the phone, the phone gaming device. Right. But you know what I mean. Obviously, it was you know its execution and aesthetics of whatever it was, like ninety, what you whatever year that was, ninety eight, whatever it was. But I mean, it really was the right track. It just wasn't the right, you know, just the wrong time and didn't, you know that nasty layout with all the physical buttons and all that, but it was the right, that really is kind of what happened. But I'm trying to think, did you ever have uh now I'm going to be surprised knowing you, if you did not have this, okay. this seems like a system that you would have owned the wonder Swan. I never did. And it's, it's funny. Cause I think that was actually out when I was in Japan and let me see what, what years that was. Because I remember, I, I remember actually going to Japanese stores and having Wonder Swan games on the shelves. Um, and I think the only reason I didn't have it is because I have this kind of thing about not liking to play games in Japanese, like text-wise. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of why. Let's see. So <clears throat> Wonder Swan Color came out in two thousand. The 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 black and white one, nineteen ninety nine. Okay. The color one in two thousand. I think the, just the problem was it. There was so many things around that same time. Yeah. Because that would have been, I mean, Neo Geo Pocket Color era. Yep. That would have been Dreamcast era. So I think and, I just had more, you know, focus on those things versus the Wonders one. Right. Hmm. I should go back and get one one time. I bet they're probably pretty cheap. I watched some videos on uh, YouTube recently of uh, this one Japanese gentleman I follow. He's got a weird he he doesn't really update often. This is so I think it's like ZZPDSI, some weird name. But he did a recent trek through Super Potato a couple weeks ago. He didn't do any voiceovers or anything, and I saw about twelve minutes of footage. But I saw pretty much everything they had in there as of recently. I never had but the prices weren't bad. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I've, I, I was gonna say, um, Super Potato is a lot of fun to go to. Their prices have gotten a little bit worse in recent years, uh, just because of foreigners and the internet, both. Right. Which I mean, right. you know, because it's funny because I was, we went, uh, my wife and I went to a used game store here locally on Sunday, I think it was, and I told her like when we were leaving, I'm like. 
used game stores kind of aren't as fun as they used to be because there's the internet and there's eBay and everything. So right. everybody has like the exact same prices now. Yeah, everyone's got the same idea. They've got the same mission and game plan or you've got people scooping up select titles to try and turn around the biggest profit online. And yeah, and I, I kind of missed the era when like they didn't know prices and so you would find like just some insane deals at times. So I'm going to give, I know nobody from this store listens and uh, whatever, but there's a store that opened up a couple years ago. Now this, now some people listening are going to be like, what are you crazy? Like, why isn't my ass down the road uh, like three, four times a week? So where I live uh, in the Beaverton area of, on the outskirts of Portland, they opened up a store called Retro Game Trader. Not to be confused with the long-time running two-decade-plus game trader in a right. nearby mall a couple miles from that. You still there? Yep. Sorry. You've heard, of, you've heard of Game Trader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old one I have, yeah. Get out of here. Game Trader, yeah. How do you know them? Should I not know them? Uh, they're only, uh, they only have that one location, though, right? Right there in... Do they really? I guess I, I swear I've heard of them. Maybe I haven't. I mean, it's possible. Hmm. But in an ironic twist of events, a couple of years ago, Retro Game Trader opened up. Similar type of deal, but just totally different people, totally different staff. Now, they took a, a spot in a little tiny, not even a strip mall parking lot. It's by a plaid pantry. And it's not like a bad area of town or whatever. This is, I'm not trying to sound snooty, but this is a pretty good area of town. But, you know, the parking lot they picked was kind of like, I'll, I try not to swear in the show, but it's kind of a shitsy parking lot. Mm-hmm. But to the workers' credit, the people that run it, they've really... Like, they've really maximized the space in there and all that kind of stuff. But real quick to wrap this up, speaking of, like, not it's not fun anymore to go to uh, shops or whatever. Retro Game Trader has a ton of product. They keep everything organized, alphabetized. They actually have a board, a marker board. And they have, like, games. It'll say, like, games we're looking for, like, for each respective major console. And then their prices are pretty, like, pretty good all things considered when you do trades and stuff they do check against ebay or online sites they try to give you the fairest uh, uh price in store whether it be cash or credit the reason i'm giving them that plug is is uh, it's worth noting simultaneously you know i haven't been in there in like 14 months even though they're like not even three and a half miles from me but a lot of that comes down to, uh, you know, and this isn't bragging, either owning way too much already, right? not wanting to go down certain roads again. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like sounding like an a-hole, but it's like with all the – I just listed off four titles I've got sealed that I can't even – that I don't want to <laughs> right. touch because I got Zelda. Yeah. So it's like I don't need to go in there. And Now, I've gone in there. The couple times I've gone in there in the last couple of years is when I've been lazy and didn't want to go the online route is I've sold them some mint like classic games of my own. Because I knew I'd get a pretty good chunk, you know, and I needed the cash at the time. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, there are some spots like that that exist, and I don't know if that's just kind of unique, maybe because it's a Portland area and you don't have a whole, you know, Portland is kind of weird. So, there are certain aspects to Portland where it's almost like going into the past, such as while books in the book market is kind, you know, I don't want to say non-existent. You know, everything is online now. You know, Portland still does have a couple Barnes and Nobles, a couple huge Powell's bookstore sellers. So the the perspective I'm trying to give is, you know, a couple weird spots like that do exist in this little bubble. And, and we like I and, gar- and we have, uh, you know, like you're talking about that that place. I think, like you know, uh, Game Dude here, 
that kind of sounds similar to what you're talking and about. And didn't that guy used to game, dude? I only know that name. Didn't they used to? That's been around. Yeah, for like they were in years, like EGM right? and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What? How far from that do you live? Um, I think like 15 minutes or so. Like, That's like not crazy. too far. And it, it's it's really funny because when you go in, they have like all these like photocopied price lists. Says like you know still yeah yeah like like we buy used we sell used we sell new <laughs> and then you just pick up a price wow. list and then that way you don't have to ever have, ever ask anybody what anything costs you have just a price list right there in front of you you know instantly no shit but they're actually a pretty neat little store and they like you were kind of saying that the whiteboard of like what they're looking for and stuff and, yeah 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 wow but I, I I guess I just feel like I hate I hate saying this but like the kind of smaller like retro slash used game shops they just kind of all feel similar to me at a certain point like right. i know what to expect i know okay there's gonna be a, a mega man 2 nes cart for like 49 dollars <laughs> you know there's gonna be this and that and i just i miss the kind of excitement of going to these stores and finding things that you don't know about but that's also too part of you know just the internet existing and us knowing so much about things and all that kind of stuff well, this is like business one-on-one. Uh, you know, sometimes our natural conversations take us down a path that, I, you know, sometimes better than our notes. But, you know, business one-on-one, this isn't anything that's a revelation. But, you know, I think another big thing with those stores, much like the retro game trader and even game trader in all fairness for what it is. You know, the big thing is, I think, keeping it clean, organized, make it a welcoming place, make it a place that you don't mind going into. Don't have like your controllers and stuff in a big rat's nest or, you know, like not like just make sure everything is... Uh, as prim and proper as possible, yeah. you know what I mean? And make sure you've got a couple workers there that don't mind at least greeting you and uh, know a little bit of what they're talking about. I think that goes a long way, you know what I mean? It's funny because you know, you know what bugged me? Um, I went, the one we just, I, was talking about, I just went to on Sunday, uh, they had all of their boxes were photocopies and they only photocopied the front of the box, not the back of the box. Okay. And that just weirdly like turned me off very quickly. Now, was that to preserve the boxes they yeah, had yeah, on hand? Yeah, yeah, preserve the boxes. But like as me kind of browsing around, because they, they actually did a really good job of, because it's a pretty decently sized store. So they had like like all these shelves where you could you could get every box and look at it. So they went out of their way to make the store friendly for you p- to pick up and look at boxes. But then the boxes you couldn't really look at because there was no backs on them. It reminds me a little bit of what Game Crazy in the late 90s, early 2000s did is when you walked in, they had these like slat walls and while it was color and I, I don't know if it was, I don't know how they did it, but like instead of having all the physical boxes out on the floor, when you looked around, they it sounds very similar to what you described. You know, the, and you know what, go ahead, I'm sorry, and, I wasn't, I'm sorry, cra- and I wasn't like as a customer, like as a worker, it was whatever, but like as a customer, I, I, I kind of know what you're talking right. about. Like I can relate. I remember the one that bugged me the most. And this drove me crazy is and I, I've, I've seen it happen a few times. Um, there was a store. So it was this. This was like the the kind of the the local game store boom that happened at a certain point. I want to say maybe 16 bit era. Um, when there's like a lot of like stores popping up and I went to this store and they had the box for the game. I've been looking for for like a long, long time. I don't remember what it was, but it was like a hard one to find. I'm like, oh my god, they've actually got it! And because the box was on the shelf, so I took the box off the shelf, and I went up and I said, "Hey, I want to get this game." And the guy's like, "Oh, we don't actually have that." 
I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's, it's not in stock. Like, well, the box is out on the shelf. And like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. So like all their shelves were stocked with, with game boxes, but they were just boxes. And you had to, if you wanted to know if they had a game, you had to actually go ask them if they had it. Wow. How st- and I'm like, that's, that is just backwards. the biggest screw job. Like it's such right. false advertising. You get people like really excited that you have a certain game and it's just boxes sitting out there. Yeah, that's. Let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, there's natural wear and tear over the decades, but we're talking about the early '90s here, and this occurred back then as well. Do you quote get people that discard or destroy their gaming boxes, or do you ever wonder what type of person that is that spends fifty or sixty dollars on the game and then just I th- doesn't have the box anymore? I feel like at this point, I mean, I guess you do see it some because, like, uh, you know. I think what happened with me was um, I had a lot of DVDs in part because when I was back doing Anime Fan, uh, uh-huh. I got like DVD screeners and, and review copies and things like that. So between regular movies and anime movies, I had, a, I had a lot of DVDs. And I used to be the kind of person that would say, I want every DVD to have its own case, case be on the shelf, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then right. I just got so tired of moving like all these boxes of stuff <laughs> that I took out... I, but I did save them. I took out all of the cover, you know, sheets. I okay, took, the inserts. Yeah, or whatever. I took the DVDs out and I recycled like all the cases. Wow. Got rid of them. So I have like just these kind of a couple of these spindles of of DVDs, and then I do have the slips if if I ever want to have boxes again. But so I did that. So I can kind of see people do that with games. Um, but I feel like I I feel like at this point, if you're buying physical games, you're buying them because you want to collect them, or because right. you at least care about them, on some level. Mm. You know, thinking back, mm. like I I don't I think I have maybe a fourth of the game of the NES games I own. I think I still have those boxes, but I don't think I have the boxes for the rest of them. Wow. Unfortunately, and I mean, like, because at this point, if you had the boxes for NES games, like, that's a major thing, right? I, I, unfortunately, right. I don't think I do. Right. Me, me loosening up and getting older equates to, on the rare occasion, I pick up a nice strategy guide because I always used to get those, just as kind of an add-on item with my games all the time. I, I now pick and choose. Me loosening up is getting rid of the back. Uh, not advertisement, but bullet point description on the back of the strat guide that has a little piece of glue that comes off. Ah. And I will now, I will now allow myself to trash that. But but see, you know what that reminds me of, and and yeah. anybody who imported games in a certain era will know instantly uh, this memory. I know what you're gonna say. You know, you, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spine cards, right? Yeah. Spine cards, like like spine cards. Like if if you did not have the spying card, don't even try selling me that game because it's not complete. <laughs> and like I mean, I you know the the uh, I say enquête, the questionnaire postcard that you then send in. Like I was back and forth on that. You know, like if it was in there, that was great. If it wasn't, not not a big deal. But if you didn't have the gosh darn spying card, like I didn't want it. You know, I wonder for the super hardcore if I could get a few bucks for some of my spine cards. I'm I, oh, I this. absolutely bet you could. You know why? Because I've I've parted with most of my Saturn collection in the past. So when I've sold it between you and I, on some of them, because you figure they don't like in the store, they don't care. 
I have a little baggie of the spine cards. Uh, and what's great huh. is there's a certain amount of people listening to us that have no clue what we're talking about. <laughs> They're like, what the hell is a spine card? I'm gonna I'm gonna go through them later. I'll try and take a couple shots. Who knows? And then of course there, the, you some. know of course there's like what you did with them. Like for some games, I would actually fold them on the left end of the booklet. And oh, then yeah, slide yeah. the booklet or back would, in. Or you'd yeah. keep them perfectly flat and put them in the tabs behind the booklet and all that kind of stuff. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Spine cards. Yep. Well, you want me to uh we're about forty five minutes in, believe it or not. Do you want me to just kind of go through some of my bullet points on uh Switch? Yeah. And Zelda, and then maybe we can flesh out some things uh, as I go along. You can feel free to ask me some questions. And then from there, we can get into a few other recent titles. I'd like to get into your uh, further take on Near Automata, your recent review, which can be found at egmnow.com. So I'll just go through here. Uh, the Switch itself goes without saying. I picked up a Switch about one week ago. I feel the overall design is uh, pretty sleek. It feels rather sturdy in handheld mode. I haven't experienced scratching on the screen from the dock ah, yet. Okay. In all, but in all fairness, I've only taken it out a few times. I said it seems to be what the Wii U wanted to be originally back in November 2012. Setup was fairly easy. Yet I suggest fans keep their nicknames, Nintendo account, and user ID information all in order to make things simpler. I won't go off on a diatribe on this. Everything went okay with me, but uh, Nintendo does make it rather confusing. Uh, as a quick example, when setting up the system, it'll ask you to nickname the system itself. Uh, on a side note, that has nothing to do with, I dare say, the nickname aside, assigned to your like 3DS that's separate from your Nintendo account, blah, blah, blah. When after you, let's let's make this up. Let's say you make the nickname for your switch, um, Link. Okay. So you make it Link, and then when you go into the eShop, I believe I'm going off memory. It'll give you like an agreement or whatever. But then at that point, you have the option to log in with your. I believe it's your Nintendo account, which has a username and password associated with it, and then it will link it, which could have already been used on one's 3DS and or Wii U. Now, the only big question mark at this point is, is now that I've done that successfully, you know, now it's a matter of the waiting game to see what they open up on the virtual console and or what they give us for free or if they charge us a minute, whatever it is. Uh, to make things even more confusing, and I saw this on Kotaku a couple weeks ago before the Switch came out, one could go to Nintendo's site and reserve your Switch username. Yes. Which is separate, asterisk here, separate from the nickname you assign the console upon boot. Now, I just, right now in this last minute, I've now unsold everybody on the Switch. Well, and, and, to, and to be clear, it's different also from your Nintendo Network ID nickname. That's right. Yeah, so I'm going to stop there because I don't want to scare people. Nothing bad happened. I've linked my accounts. I think the best advice I can give is just get out a piece of paper, watch the terms they use, and lay and just lay it out in order. Like, make sure you've got your proper username, password, email, password. Just make sure it's neat and in order. Make sure you're 100% correct, and then just follow the prompts. You know what I mean? That's the big thing. Like, right. as long as you know your password, you know what you're talking about, it'll be smooth. 
But if you don't have that stuff written down or you haven't looked it up in a while and you're getting confused, it's it, I could see that being a hassle. Well, and and, so, and people like people like I know about it because I saw, hey, you can register your your new user nickname now. Do it before people take it. Um, so I knew about that. But if you don't know about that, it is a little bit weird because now. Because I nicknamed my Nintendo Network ID, but then you have a new nickname. So going in there, it's like it's going to be a little bit confusing, I think. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. I keep a spreadsheet for my stuff. I know that's real OCD, but uh, with this stuff, it's a good thing I I do because this gets ridiculous. Now I'm going to say something here that the rumble in the pro controller now i've got the pro controller and that's what i've used 95% mm-hmm. pro controller feels really good especially for a nintendo controller in the last 10 years now i know this sounds weird because nintendo's always been an innovator nintendo's made some of the most iconic controllers we know that we've been down this road before love the snes pad you can see those design that design influence still to this day in all of our controllers right. etc Pro Controller feels really good. But the rumble I felt in the Pro Controller, I thought was okay. Now, I only make mention of that because I've obviously got an Xbox One as well. I've got a PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4. And the rumble in those controllers is pretty solid. Now, I'm not saying this is bad. The the reason I'm making this note, and, and I please, if someone can call me out on this, Please do. It's not that I'm lying. I just, I don't know if it's my memory. I don't know if the Pro Controller has the 3D rumble because... I don't think it does. I don't think so either because here's the deal. Now, here's the thing. Now, someone's going to ask, well, what about the 3D rumble? I haven't used it in handheld mode enough to give an opinion. I've used it maybe three... I used it once to try Bomberman, once to try Zelda, and I only did it for a few minutes at a time just to see, like just to see what it looked like and how it felt in my hand. And I will be going back to handheld mode at some point, but right now because of Zelda, I primarily been playing that on the TV. I got to say this too. That's a TV experience. And I'm someone that loves I've said it a million times, I love my 3DS. I have no problem sitting on my in my chair or on my couch in the living room playing a handheld 9 times out of 10. I love that the Vita can give you a PlayStation 3-like experience in the palm of your hand. I don't know what it is with Zelda. Zelda is meant to be played on your TV. And I don't have some big-ass TV either. I'm in a small apartment, so I'm not rocking like some 50 or 60-inch set. I've got maybe an average or a little bit below average set. But honestly, when you play Zelda, I don't care what they say about the frame rate in the palm of your hand. You want to, like, when you look at the landscape and you're looking out, like, in the distance, you want to see that on your TV. Yeah, I think there's just, like, some games that, um, just for some reason, to you feel like TV games, and some games you feel like handheld games, and some games that you can do either way. Totally. And here's the thing. It's it's awesome that you can play Zelda on the go. And I'm not saying I'm not going to play Zelda. I, maybe I should clarify my point. I think the thing is, is when you play Zelda, make sure more of your time is spent on the TV mode or at least get a get a good chunk of time in on TV mode so you visually, so you know how that game was really meant to be seen. And then, you know, play to your heart's content on handheld mode. I'm not like knocking it, but Zelda definitely is something that... Uh, looks great on the on the full-blown set 
Um, so with that being said, I have to get back to, uh, I got to use those Joy-Cons more and I've got to start using them soon just to, I just got to get a feel because everyone was bragging about the HD rumble. Like I know everyone can't be lying. Like everything from YouTube personalities to major gaming sites, everyone has said that the HD rumble, um, was the real deal. So for me, because of how I've been playing, I haven't experienced that yet. So if anyone out there can tell me the difference between the Pro Controller and the HD Rumble, if it's like night and day, I'd actually like to hear about that. And I'm going to try that out within the, in the coming days. But I felt I needed to get that point out there because I'll be honest with you. Everyone's been boasting about the Pro Controller and loving it. And I do too. I haven't heard a single soul say anything about the Rumble and that Pro Controller. Yeah. And the reason why Rumble is um, something I'm noting is for those who own the Wii U... The rumble in the Wii U gamepad sucked. Hmm. It sucked. Now, the Pro Controller is better than that, but people will know that. um, And by the way, if you hear in the background, I've changed my phone text because I felt to make it more gaming. I spent $1.29 today and bought a Sonic Ring text tone. So at least if I get bothered during the show, it fits with the theme of gaming. So uh, yeah, so I'm collecting. So here at the Jersey no, it's, it's, it's just podcast. Anthony keeps cussing, and we have to keep <laughs> bleeping him out. So I keep collecting um, rings while I record the episode. So um, that diatribe aside, I oh, I enjoy the simplicity of the Switch's user interface. I'm glad I wrote this stuff down. Like here's the deal: you can look at this two ways. You turn on the switch, it's bare bones. There's almost nothing there. Like, you know, right. you could you could be a snotty and be like, well, I don't have this. But you know what? It's actually refreshing because you got to figure nine, 10, 90% of the people got other content. They've got either Roku boxes, Apple TV, PS4, whatever. I like when I turn on the switch, I've just got my games. There's the eShop. By the way, everything is pretty lickety split quick. I love the clean interface. I'm sure this is going to change down the road. I'm sure they'll get updates on this UI. Maybe they'll add folders. I was going to say, can, can you can you make folders at all at this point? I tried last night, and don't quote me on this yet. I, I'm going to say no as of right now, unless I miss. See, it. if you can't, that's that's BS to me because I I think I, I think we're at a point where we have to stop pretending like folders is something we need a year or two <laughs> years later. You know, because I mean, even like right now, right? How many? How many Neo Geo games could you have right now on the Switch? It's like six? Well, I, you could have a grand total of six, of which I have yeah. five so far. So you're telling me you don't want to put all six of those games into just one folder and have them out of the way? Of course I do. It's just like, it's ridiculous. I hate that. Yeah. I have not experienced Wi-Fi connection issues, but where my Switch currently sits, it's very close to my router, so... With that being said, I have heard from a friend who has a Switch one room away from the router that they were having intermittent connection issues. But upon moving it and whatever, handheld mode, everything was fine. So I'm just throwing that out there too, to be fair, because I saw some discussion on that online. Uh, Nintendo didn't seem to make it sound like it was a a defect or anything that needed to be returned. On a side note, maybe that just tells me they're using cheap components or cost-cutting measure internally. That's total speculation on my point. Me personally, though, I'll say this with my experience. I haven't had any connection issues. And if I had to complain about anything, you know, 
this is so out there with my 3ds and it's a new 3ds it's only two years old and it's in the living room right now i feel like more often than not when i go into the e-shop on the 3ds like i feel like it'll start to load and sometimes it'll get in there like right away like after 10 or 15 seconds but then there are times where it kind of like thanks 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 and then i know like i just know if i go back home and then reboot the shop boom Mm -hmm. it'll work right do you know what i'm talking about yeah you have that happen too? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. See, you're the only person, thank God for you, because I've talked to other people about this, and I think, like, I don't know if they think I'm crazy, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. With the Switch, the last few days that I've gone into the shop to buy this bullcrap, the SNK games, I go in, boom. I don't have to reload the shop. Um, so it's kind of weird because interface wise or maybe it has to do with the operating system maybe the operating system is just better and cleaner with what it's working with i don't have that issue i have with the 3ds the wi-fi my experience has been okay but i've heard others have had some issues so but yeah i do like that i don't have to reboot or do any like i don't have to stand on one foot knock on the door twice rotate 360 and then sit back down in my chair for it to work right i think that's the point i'm trying to make um, we already talked about this. Neo Geo Classics arrived yesterday. There were six titles that came out. King of Fighters 98, Waku Waku 7, Metal Slug 3, World Heroes Perfect, Shock Troopers, and Nam 75. As of right now, I've downloaded wait, every wait, single wait, one wait, with wait. the... Yep. Okay, yep. so, uh, so, okay, let's, let's say, say again. Waku Waku 7, yep. King of 98, yep. Metal Slug 3, Yes. Nam 75, Yes. Shock Troopers. Yes. What was the sixth game? World Heroes Perfect. The one you didn't get. Uh, I mean, my first guess was Nam seventy five, but I feel like maybe you did get Nam seventy five. Um, and I will get the missing link down the road. It's just like I didn't need I'm it right now. But yeah, there's one. So there's one. Oh, okay, title so, I did it's not okay. Yeah. Uh, KOF. And this is going to be like who wants to be in the millionaire? In order for me to accept your answer, you have to say final right. answer. KOF ninety eight. You have. Um, I, I have to assume you got Waku Waku 7. Uh, like, I mean, I feel like I would always get Shock Troopers, so I would hope that you would get Shock Troopers. And Shock Troopers is something a little bit different, so... But maybe... And then I'm pretty sure I saw you take shots of Metal Slug. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say... I'm gonna say you didn't get... Because I feel like... You got Nam seventy five because it was one of those kind of really classic Neo Geo games, and it was something just a little bit different. So I'm gonna guess the one you didn't get because KOF ninety eight gives you traditional SNK fighting game, but then Waku Waku seven gives you something a little bit different. I might be wrong, but I'm gonna say World Heroes is the one you didn't get. Final answer. You're wrong. Ah, but I'm gonna give you half credit. The one I did not get was Nam 75. Oh, I should have stuck with it. I should have but, stuck with my gut. But now I'm going to give you like, I'm going to give you this like voodoo crazy like theory as to why I didn't do it. Because I'm probably going to get Nam 75 first on PS4 because that's the only SNK right, a title right now on PS4 that I don't have is Nam 75 and it came out last week. So I'm like, you know what? I'm probably going to do Nam 75 on PS4 first and then maybe down the road on Switch. So I did uh, 
my reasoning. So that was my reasoning for skipping out on Nam seventy five. Um, can we bitch though? I mean, can I bitch? Can I bitch? Yeah. Um, yeah. Why? So so these these are these are part of the hamster archives, the arcade That's classics right. archives. Yes. Uh, so not through SNK, but actually through Hamster. And they've had a number of these. I mean, they they had the arcade classics line on PS4 for a long time now. Yes. We've gotten plenty of games mm-hmm. through that. Right. They did. They started the Neo Geo recently, so we've gotten some Neo Geo games. But we've gotten the argument, and I know I made this argument on this podcast. I'm pretty certain is that they did the start over thing they always tend to do with Neo Geo games, like what everybody does with them. Yeah, is we get King of Fighters '94, and we get Art of Fighting, we get Fatal Fury, and those kind of like first games, Samurai Showdown. Um, why does the Switch suddenly get all of the great games? You want my theory? I thought the same thing. And before we go on, you have to jog my memory again. The PlayStation Four Arcade Archives are those done by Hamster as well? Yes. This is getting very confusing. Okay. Then who's doing? So there, there are on PS4 because I know what you're going to say. On PS4, there are certain games being done. I think it's .mu. Are they the ones who are doing it? Or no, no, no. I'm not is sure. It, I know what you're talking about though because they... maybe it's Code Mystics. Um, okay. But they did Metal Slug Three. They did yeah. Last Bl- Last Blade Two and Mark of the Wolves. Okay. So they're because they've been because. Some of the other arcade conversions, which have nothing to do with SNK, like Double Dragon, Gradius, right. those are also hamster. Yes. Also, so this is interesting, kind of to get off the, on a side tangent. This is interesting because they've been getting pretty good praise for that work. Yes. Correct. Yes. So this is kind of weird that right out the gate on the Switch, and they already said they were very polite on Twitter, and they're going to patch it. The patch should be coming next week. It's a little weird that these have a couple hiccups right out the bat on Switch with their pretty clean track record. It's funny, too, because the moment I saw your screenshots on Twitter, oh, immediately. I was like, yep, because they, well, they have their like way too dark. It's washed out. No, no, you know what it is? I'm not, I'm not trying to correct you. It's You have it the opposite. Well, two things, two things, two things. Remember this. I have a filter on those from in the game. I have it on A4. Okay. If there's A1234, B1234, I think the difference without looking it up, I think B1234 gives you like wavy lines, like an old beat up set. But if you look at it again, even with my um, uh, scan lines on, look at it again and you'll you'll retract your statement. It's the opposite. It's very washed out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess I was just like, it's, it's, it's not, the color is not the way it's supposed to be. That's right. It's it's almost like on the TV set if you put up uh, if you put the brightness up a bit too much, but they did acknowledge that exactly as to what it was. They said their brightness level was too high, and that some games have some uh, a misfiring of sound. But they allege they acknowledged it, and they allege they apologize. They say it could be coming as early as next week. So, um, so those came out. Uh, another title that hit Switch, but I did not do the Switch version. I actually did 3DS on this. I'm as bad as you with Vita. Uh, Blaster Master Zero oh, for 10 bucks. Yeah. So that hit. And I guess it's more of a reimagining of the original. So, yes. Uh, from, from my understanding, pe- yeah. Yeah. 
And people have been saying things like the, di- the diagonal firing is a lot easier. And actually, I did touch it last night for a couple minutes after download. It does seem to play rather well. So those are kind of my Switch impressions from my notes. Do you have any questions about Switch to me before I go on to Zelda? Because I feel like my questions are like kind of more handheld side of things. I mean... I, I, I will say this. Even though I haven't played the handheld mode much, I will say this. I think I said this to you in text, but I didn't put up my notes. I think as far as a quote handheld goes, the Switch works and it feels nice. It has a nice weight. It doesn't feel cheap. But I will also say excluding, okay, excluding tablets or excluding your iPads, which you and I both know there's a lot of kids out there that play games quote the wrong way. Um, I know you and I hate it, but like, you know, you'll see kids around town or whatever. They have the tablet in their hand. They're pop, you know, they're smacking the screen. Excluding that demographic and excluding true tablets for an uh, for a gaming for a real gamer's handheld. I feel, in my opinion, this is the absolute max limit that you would want that screen. Like as beautiful as the screen is, it's seven twenty. It's got awesome clarity. It looks awesome. That's the biggest I think you'd want to hold in your hands. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like I'm at the point where I think it's actually too big for me. I would, I will not argue that. Um, you know, I, I would love to see, and it's not gonna happen next year, unfortunately. But I would love to see them have like a slightly smaller version. But I, I am a little bit worried because I'm more interested in this as a handheld, and I just think it's it's so big, and that's nice screen wise, but just holding it with the Joy Cons attached and everything, it just you know. It's 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 so big. The only thing I think that might I don't think this makes I don't know. They do have some nice carrying cases, like little sleek zip up cases. Like I got the official Nintendo one. Zelda the special edition and the and the master edition came with one as well, which looked nice. But I left that in the box for now. But I have a nice you know Nintendo one. I've seen some other nice looking ones like darker colors with like the little Mario and mushroom icons. You know, it didn't look stupid. Um, that you know, maybe that might be a little bit of a saving grace for you in terms of, um, um, you know, like carrying it around or, you know, for some for some protection. And you, at least you don't feel like you're, it's you know, you don't feel like you're carrying around some sort of uh, abomination. Mm-hmm. You know, because the the thin the form factor the thinness of it is really kind of what saves it because. Um, for example, not to keep beating up on this, but like the Wii U Endeavor, like that, like <laughs> that um, controller slash tablet or whatever you want to call it, the gamepad, like that would just be terrible. It's it's just an abomination. But so what saves it is even though there's a lot of similarities that can be drawn between the Wii U and this, this like, you know, this works. I think, you know, the only, the biggest argument, and this doesn't really affect me because I play, the biggest argument anyone can make is like, hey, you know, there's never enough battery life, you know. But in terms of the current design and what it can do, it is pretty amazing. But I'm with you. It's, you know, I, I think the cases can save it. At least you feel like you're carrying around a nice piece or it's not too cumbersome or too kitty. You know, like I, I keep saying that, but there's some nice, uh, you know, you can get like for 20 bucks a nice little thing, you know. It's just like, it's like I, I feel like no matter, you know, male or female, like you have to have a bag that can accommodate this. Like 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 3ds my my 3ds could be thrown into anything, you know. 
Uh, my Vita works mostly, but it's my even my Vita, like in a, in a carrying case, is getting a little bit big. Mm-hmm. And I put the Vita like on the the switch, and the Vita is like the central part of of the of the switch as a handheld. You right. know, it like barely overlaps into the Joy Cons, so like that's right much wider and then kind of taller. So I just yeah, it's I like I was you know. I don't know that it, like again it does I don't know that it makes sense for them to make a handheld only switch but I'm really interested in the idea like if it would work or right. or you know I mean my solution is just to to drop the whole Joy-Con idea but I don't think they would do that. What do you mean and then well, explain that a well, little bit. Well because I like, I think I think the problem is like I don't I don't know that you can make the switch smaller because if you do because, like, I feel like right now the Joy-Cons, like, when you take them off and have them be separate controllers, I feel like that's the smallest you can make them and still be comfortably usable. Mm. Oh, and let me say this. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned that. I can't believe I didn't have this in my notes. Those Joy-Cons are, uh, like, they have a nice feel. They feel like, they don't feel like junk. They have a nice quality to them. But wow, those buttons are like in handheld mode. I didn't really have an issue because when you're in handheld mode, the, the, here's the it's a necessary evil. And I was thinking about this. You know, some of those buttons and stuff are tiny, but at the same time, it's it's a necessary evil because with gaming today, you need all of those options. Right. You know, foregoing the iPhone touch screen route, which we hate as of right now. So, like for example, you could go back to the old days of like Game Boy or. or um, you know, maybe just four face buttons and you can get some larger buttons and do some different things with the design, but you know the deal. You won't have your triggers. You'll be doubling up on buttons for certain actions. Fighting games will be even a a more challenging effort. So, you know, for, you know, for people who game, you, you really do need like whatever 16 or 18 buttons are. Now, obviously newcomers to gaming, they look at that and they're like, oh my God, it's like looking at a keyboard for the first time. But so in one respect, I get that and I don't have a problem with it in, you know, holding it on each side. But when you take those Joy-Cons off and you're just using that piece as a, as a standalone makeshift controller for like tabletop play and like you and a buddy have one of those, that thing felt small. Yeah. I mean, like people, like I heard people giving impressions on stuff and like, and they're like, oh, you know, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And like this, you know, this isn't bad or it feels pretty good. Let me tell you, I would tell you, I, you know, system feels better than I thought. I'm playing the system more than I thought. I didn't expect Zelda to be like, I knew Zelda was going to be quality. I didn't expect it to be like a friggin' blunt, like just blow you away good. But I'm going to shoot it straight up. Those Joy-Cons individually, that's... Uh, it's better than nothing, but that's no real way to play. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I like the novelty and I like the idea, but it just, like, even just, like, trying to hold them and not push, like, not push the shoulder buttons in when you're using it, you know? It's just, it's so, it's so hard, I think, to to use those um, for any kind of serious gaming, but I also don't know that I like the idea of them just getting rid of the idea, you know. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I want them to do in this case. Like I want them to kind of just if they drop the Joy Cons, then they can make the entire handheld unit smaller. 
But I don't know that I like the idea of them just dropping the Joy-Cons. But as they are now, like, especially that right one, if you try to use the right one as its own individual controller, like, that analog stick and the buttons are just so close together. Right. That I, I don't I don't feel like they're, they can be taken seriously at all. Unless, unless you can make, make the unit smaller, but then maybe make each Joy-Con a little bit wider. Well, my stupid idea is that if you're going to go true handheld with this, my theory is that you got to go all the way and kind of make it like a 3DS or like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even, I'm not even in my head, I'm not even thinking Joy-Con anymore. I'm just thinking like, they're going to take this tech, maybe put it in a new shell, true handheld, and it's, you know. But see, okay, but see, okay, now, now here, now let's get creative here. Now you say that, right? Right. So let's think, let's, let's think of it as a, as a 3DS, a clamshell. You know, let's let's say it's the size of a 3DS XL, and the entire top is the screen, and the bottom is the control part, right? But then, what if we make it so that the bottom part you can actually take two controllers off of it, and then what's left is basically a stand for the screen, like like you know that bottom. If you think about right. a 3DS right now, you have that screen in the middle, right? The touch screen. And you have like a, a left side controller and a right side controller. Sure. Just think about those pieces just actually sliding out oh, as I it see. is right now. So maybe you could, you know, you could do a handheld version like that and then have pieces that slide out and become the individual controllers again. And then the dock that they were in is left over as being a stand for the screen. It's a clever idea. I think it could, you know, it could definitely work. I think there might be a little bit of a, a weird factor to it, like looking at the bottom section and you're like, darn, shouldn't there be a screen down here? Yeah, no, I mean. But yeah. but no, I mean, I'm totally on board with you. You know, that's that's what that is and this is what this is. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just hope if they go that route, like, and I, I don't have any problems really overall for the most part with the design of this. So I'm, I'm going to give it a thumbs up on the Switch. But if they do go true, like hundred percent handheld, no TV mode or whatever, I do expect something that ha- like I want something that looks nice, as well. I don't want something that's kind of like, okay, this is kind of like we took the switch, put it in the dryer, and then you know, taped a couple idea. I want I want something that's well thought out as well, you know. Yeah. And then. Uh, uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, I already kind of went off on this a bit earlier. Uh, here's what, here's a brilliant statement from me. Lots of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is. Like, that's, I mean, that's a perfect way to explain it. It's just like, it's, look, it's you know, I mean, and what's funny is I've, I've heard that somebody already did a speed run and they beat it in like an hour 15 or something like that. See, that's such bullshit. You, you can do it. That's bullshit. Because you can literally run to the end boss like right from the beginning, right? I mean, almost, almost from the beginning. Can't you? Did you watch it? See, I, I don't want to no, bring I've myself. Watched, no, I've, to I've, watch. I don't want to spoil anything, so I haven't watched it. Man, uh, I don't know what to say about that. That's that's a. Di- I'll get to that topic later. So they had to. I don't know. This is. I mean, look. I know you can get this down to an art. I'm sure you could knock this out in minutes. But, like, it just gets me, like, you have to, 
man, they must have been hitting those. They must go to those shrines in the beginning. It must be like boom, bang. I mean, it must be like lightning when they're going through those things. I mean, it must be like on fast forward. Wow. Uh, I hate to sound like everyone else online here on my notes, but it's uh, quite the achievement for an open world game. It doesn't hold one's hand. One of the biggest praises and compliments I'm going to give it. It gives me similar feelings as to how I felt with Mario 64. That makes sense. Uh, That makes sense. I, I never thought I'd get those feelings again. I don't feel it's on quite the same level as Mario 64 uh, because with Mario 64, we'd never seen anything like that at the time. And there were so many, it was just so fresh from the ground up. Um, but a comparison I'm going to kind of take that I would have said about that and many others have said as well uh, in regards to Mario, but I'm going to apply this to Zelda. When Mario went from 2D to 3D, like it's exactly what you expected Mario to be in 3D. I can't say with Zelda. See, we've already seen a 3D Zelda, obviously, in Ocarina of Time. Right. And that's still heralded as, you know, obviously one of the greatest games of all time and what have you. So I can't say this is like exactly what you'd expect Zelda in 3D, but I think this is exactly what one would expect in executing all of the ideas that one could imagine with Zelda in a game finally, like whether it be the freedom like of exploring like in your like whether it be your backyard or the woods or some of those um the ideas that Nintendo and Miyamoto like to implement into their games like from their childhood i think this fully realizes that notion of like wonder exploration not knowing what's coming next a vast land not many boundaries almost limitless and i feel kind of what mario did from 2d to 3d at that time this does in terms of like taking the original zelda concept and finally like getting it all done so that's what gives me similar feelings uh the comparison to mario certainly the most important nintendo launch title since i would say mario 64 and then prior to that would have obviously probably been uh, the original mario brothers on nes uh you know Another ironic thing I was thinking of, Hmm. like many publications and stuff will say like um, Super Mario World is arguably the Super NES's finest hour. And the irony there is is that was a launch title. Yeah. Many people feel Mario 64 was N64's finest hour. That was a launch title. Will Zelda Breath of the Wild go down as Switch's finest moment and coming at launch? Now there is an asterisk there that it also comes at the end of another gener- another console's life cycle in the Wii U. But for sake of conversation, you know, is this going to fall into a similar category where Zelda: Breath of the Wild achieves that pinnacle in gaming, but it's right out the gate? Yeah, I mean, I guess like you 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 don't want them to be in a position where their best game is their launch game, right? Sure, of course. You, want, you know what I mean? Like you, look, you want to keep going on history. from there and getting better and sure. everything and sure. I think it also needs to be noted, and this is one of the reasons, like, here's the thing. Like, I have obviously haven't completed Zelda, but I've been playing it. I could very easily see how this is getting tens, and I think it's deserved. But another reason why I can't quite put this in the Mario 64 category is because Zelda does take... Zelda is kind of a mixture of 
Dark Souls, Minecraft. Um, you're going to have to help me on this one because what was the first game to really implement like really good climbing mechanics? Does that go to Uncharted? Like what was the well, first no, I was gonna game? Say, like, um, would it be like Assassin's Creed? Could it? And I'm just throwing this out there. What about Shadow of the Colossus? Yeah, I know Shadow of the Colossus has kind of like what some consider not the best of controls, but that did introduce like, uh, um, you know what I'm trying right. to say, right? Like that next level. So you, someone, whatever pick you want to take out there, uh, for sake of this, I'm going to say Uncharted slash Tomb Raider modern day. So take that element, put all of that in a blender, but it's still but you it's still Zelda at its heart. So it's not like it's just taking from other games and and going from there. It's it really is its own thing. But you uh, you will see. Um, you, you, I have to mention that because those influences are there, whereas Mario sixty four didn't have those kind of influences. That was that was the other separator. Um, I'll also make another weird little statement, and you know, someone can go look. It's it's a cooking animation, or it's it is what it is. You know, how different do you want it to look? I also thought the little cooking aspect reminded me a little bit of Monster Hunter. Yeah, in terms I, mean, I, of like, I can see that. Yeah, you know what? So, what do you think about the whole uh, breakable weapons? Um, I would say, like, look, I I knew that that game had that because I read that. So, I don't know if I read it like in a preview or something. But I think it's one of those things as I'm playing it, I'm accepting it because it is what it is. That is what it is. Mm-hmm. And, I know, and I dare say, I believe Minecraft does that as well. Not that I'm some big mind. I only, by the way, I only know what I do about Minecraft from other people. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny or make an excuse for myself. I've never touched Minecraft. So, but I, there's people in my life that play it and they're like, oh, you know, I think you'd really be into it. So when I showed them Zelda, they kept they kept mentioning Minecraft to me. Hmm. Um, but I also know from from a completionist perspective or like an OCD perspective, the breaking weapons can be uh, uh, very nerve wracking, drive you crazy. I guess like I just I just I don't feel like Zelda's a game that should have that aspect in it. And I also worry about being like in big boss fights because I've heard stories about boss fights, you know, where um, people had to like go through like, you know, 15, 20 weapons or something like that <laughs> in order to beat the boss. Right. Yeah. And just like, I, I mean, I don't like breaking weapons to that point. Like if I think about like Dark Souls, because you mentioned Dark Souls, you know, the original game really played on the idea of, and, and Demon Souls as well, about, you know, weapons could break. But part of that was... If you're a moron who, you know, hits your sword against walls and rocks and things like that, it's going to break quicker, you know. Right. And if you didn't do that, then, you know, you could use it for a decent amount of time before you had to worry about it and before fixing it or anything. And I've just heard stories. I said, I, to be fair, I haven't played it, but I've heard stories of people saying that, you know, weapons, they, they, could, they can use up one weapon on one enemy sometimes. I'm not going to disagree. Like, there's this one of the cooler, you know, I'm still early in, but I got a pretty cool looking weapon from a shrine I did the other night. And it was pretty badass. And then I was doing this other shrine last night, which I don't want to call it like a tutorial because I don't want to scare people. This game does not hold your hand. And there really aren't like full blown tutorials per se. But this particular shrine was teaching a couple combat mechanics. And let me put it to you this way using that sword 
just in that spot, I busted it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I that cool looking blade I had or whatever. I, it's I broke it. Now the only other excuse I can make for that, and I'm not saying this justifies it. There are a lot of duplicate weapons, and there's a excuse my language again, but there's just a lot of shit to pick up. So. It is one of those things, you know, you got to figure the developers know that there had to be some sort of balance. Yet simultaneously, some people are probably thinking, you know, you mean you can't, you can't tell me that, um, you know, that all of these weapons are in abundance throughout that game. You know, there's got to be some rare ones. So maybe that's part of the, that's just part of the uh, adventure and a part of the chance. So, yeah, I mean, I could see that being, you know, problematic to some people, but at the same time... um. You know, the only other thing I could say is you got to watch, obviously, before they, you know, you got to kind of hope or time it, like, when it becomes weak, because I think it will give you a warning. And then what I have not done yet is I haven't repaired them or anything like that, but I'm sure I know you can do that. It's just that I've just had bad luck. Like, a couple of items I didn't care. They were, like, cheapy crap weapons. But the only weapon I've lost so far that I kind of liked was that one I earned from the shrine the other night. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, yeah, I already broke it, and it's I busted it. But, so, um, there was that. Uh, I've said, I believe we, you know, we could kind of see this coming in the trailer, so this isn't some other big uh, insight. But I do love the character designs and the overall look of the game. Reminds me a lot of a Miyazaki anime. Uh, I get a Princess Mononoke vibe. Uh, I love the style in that respect for this game. Uh, another thing that I love about this game, and I know I keep going back to this, this is something else that Mario 64 did give me this feeling too. I'm surprised at all of the little touches, the wildlife, and how seemingly no area or spot in the game was overlooked. Everything seems to have had TLC put into it. And I think that's a big driving factor as well. Like, um, It has a very natural feel to it. And, and I don't know why I was so surprised at this. I felt like an idiot, but like, I just, you know, like I knew there were going to be horses in the game, um, you know, and I'm sure there are going to be some other surprises, but like, I just didn't expect like, God, I've seen everything from frogs to fireflies, to horses, to rams, to, uh, you know, I, you know, we've seen chickens. Like, I know we've seen some of this stuff throughout the series, but like, I don't know what I was thinking, but like, I, I almost hell. I almost think you could make a game or kill an afternoon just trying to see what you could find. Now, I'm not saying yeah. there's like hundreds of animals in this game or like a, you know National Geographic, but I was just surprised. Like the more you look around, the more you find. Um, and then even areas like a side of a mountain or something like that. You know, it doesn't look like there's much there, but until you get you know really get into the nitty gritty and start looking around, you know, you'll find you, you can find rare items or. You know, I don't care if it's climbing trees and finding bird eggs. Um, you can. Uh, oh, there was something else I was going to say, and it escaped me. But yeah, I mean, there's just there's just attention to detail everywhere. So, like, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here, but it's. I mean, it's it's very well deserved. All the attention and all the praise it's getting. Uh, I already mentioned the Dark Souls, Minecraft, and Uncharted elements. We just talked about that. That was just on my notes. Uh, nothing seems like an afterthought. Everything has purpose. Um, due to its challenge at times, it does have an old school 8 and 16-bit feel. Oh, this is what I was going to say. 
you know, you'll ask yourself, like, can I do this or can I accomplish that climb? Am I supposed to go there? That's what I was going to say. So this actually has a lot of that element, like, um, you know, with a lot of games, and it's not a knock, like, you know, there's a certain path where you can always kind of tell, like, you know, you're supposed to go there or like, this just fits, like, you know, it's a slam dunk. This is what's supposed to happen. But in Zelda, when getting from certain areas from point A to point B, I felt like I found myself questioning myself, like, do I need another ability? Do I need like some sort of vehicle or something else like a power to get me here? And a few of the times that I felt that, I was able to make the climb, so to speak. Now, and it will come down to a like a split hair, like a millisecond of time before your stamina runs out or whatever, but you can do it. So I felt that was a very old school feeling in a sense like um, you can look at a spot you're like, I don't think I can get there. And sometimes you can, Yeah. you know? And then uh, cooking element, talked about that a little bit. The cooking element's fun. That's a good time killer, just mixing with different concoctions. Um, I've only got like two points left here. I said, most importantly, the game is fun and addictive. And you'll think about the game after turning the system off. That's probably the highest praise I can give it. Um, And then my last thought here on Zelda for now is, is one game enough for now on Switch? Uh, Even if it is in the running for one of the greatest video games ever made, it's like we're back to that Mario 64 question from 1996. I just like, I I mean, here's the problem I have is just every single game I can think of where you say this is one of the greatest games ever. I can say, yeah, but there's people who don't like that kind of game, you know? (laughs) And I get it. Look, I, I, especially a game like this. I mean, like if you take Zelda open world, you know, that makes it kind of, I think, even less approachable on some level to casual players. So I think as as if you're a hardcore Nintendo dork, you know, and you want to switch like right away, you're going to love Zelda. But I don't like that attitude. And I have seen people do it. And I think, you know, look, uh, again, I'm not anti-Nintendo, but I think to be fair, Nintendo fans are the worst about this, about saying, well, you should just like this game. You know, because I remember back in the N64 days, you know, I did not like Mario 64 and I got roasted for that. I get roasted for it today still, you know, but she's like, OK, that's fine. I, I know you loved it. And I know a lot of people loved it, but it's just not a game for everybody. And I think there is this kind of trend sometimes, especially with Nintendo people, is thinking that if it's a big Nintendo game that a decent amount of people love, then like everybody should love it. And so I don't think Legend of Zelda is enough. Like, I think it needed one other big game. Like, that's it's just, it's, well, it's a whole topic of, like, I think Nintendo purposely, you know, wanted people only focusing on Zelda. And so we couldn't even get, like, you know, I mean, because we could have had Mario Kart, I think, at launch. We could have had Splatoon at launch. Um, You know, just something. But I think it's just, like, no, we want people only playing Zelda you know, this goes back to that E3 where they had an entire booth only for Zelda. And I just, I don't like that attitude. It's it's like if if Sony said, we have the new God of War, that's all you need. You know. Now, I'm gonna, I have a couple things to say and I have a question to ask you that you've already answered, but I, I need refreshing. 
before I get to that. So I, I need you to know something. I am not an undercover spy for Nintendo. <laughs> I, I need you to know that I am a Sega person. Uh, I mean that from the heart. You know if I could snap my fingers, I would put Sega right back in the mix. And I want those. I want their style of game to come back. I want, you know, I want that unexpected back. I want to make that very clear. I love Capcom. I love old SNK. Everyone knows where my heart lies in gaming. But I have to say really quick, I don't know how, and this is not a knock on you. I'm, just, I'm speaking in general to the masses. So this, I, like, I know you and I don't, it doesn't hurt my feelings, but like, I don't know how anyone could look at Mario 64 as the first example and like as much of a Sega fan as I am and I, I wish Sega won and all that kind of crap. I don't know how Mario 64 isn't like from a gamer's perspective like wow. But that aside, I I get a lot of that from Zelda. Now, I will tell you if I'm if I'm not being biased and whatever you want to call me, I will say this. I don't think the scope of the game or the size is what would turn someone off. If I'm being very honest with you, and it's but I don't think it's as extreme as Dark Souls because I played a tiny bit of Dark Souls and that game or Bloodborne especially, which I've talked about. That game will kick your ass. Zelda isn't on that level, but I will tell you for a casual gamer, I could see someone getting turned off by some of the difficulty. Well, I think difficulty and also just, um, I mean, do you know where to go? This is going to sound like the biggest load of bullshit that you, okay, to an extent, yes, this is going to sound like such biased bullshit. I think the difference between Zelda and other games that are open world or open world like it where you might throw in the towel or be like, this isn't for me or I don't care. Even if you get stuck in Zelda or you're trying to figure things out because of the way the game is and the way the exploration is set up, I think more often than not, you won't want to stop. So because of the way the game is crafted and its natural aspect to it, like you really get a sense of exploration and like wanting to find out or find things on your own. Now that's not to say on the map, so I'll get a little specific. Um, I think you can put five waypoint markers on your rotating map that's in the bottom right of the screen or, or, or you can make it static. And then when you hit the minus button or what I like to still call it select, but the minus button that'll bring up your flat, your map, which you can zoom in and out on. And on that, I dare say you can put up to 100 markers manually of different symbols and whatnot. I don't, those do not show up. This might sound a little confusing. Those won't show up on your rotating main in-game map. You set those main five markers in-game by pressing in on your R stick, which gives you your zoom or scope. When searching things, but but for other reasons, like let's say you get to a spot and you're like, okay, there's this boss here that like destroyed me and I went past this area. So for example, I encountered something like that. So I went to my map and I put a skull in that area. Or let's say I found something where I feel like it said something like there was like a riddle or something. It's like I need to use this power. I need to come back here when I have X, Y, and Z. Then I'll put like a star there. So you do have the ability to manually mark stuff, mark a select amount of stuff in real time 
And then in the game, there are times where you talk to people and they'll give you hints or they'll give you like cues in terms of like pointing out in the distance or the camera will show you the general area. And you do a little bit of that figuring out on your own. But as you come across stuff, you can manually mark stuff. I'll make a weird comparison that just came to me. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's as extreme as this. Could we make the comparison to like Etrian Odyssey? In in terms of like marking stuff, you mean? Yeah, because on the Etrian Odyssey, well, Etrian Odyssey was super hardcore because you had to make your own map. Right. Yeah, and, and that was part. Screen. I mean, that was part of the game. Was that was the, making of course. Your map. Sure, but I think you could mark stuff and like you know yeah. mark shit up yeah. and put. So there is a little bit of that element, like. I would say Zelda has like arguably some elements like that, but not too extreme. Like just enough to make you remember that video games didn't always hold your hand as much as they do now. But at the same time, they're kind enough to, you know, to give you some direction. Yeah, but I guess one thing is like, what about people who don't like that? You know, I mean, because I, I know people who would just be like, I can't play this because I don't know what, where to go and what to do. I mean, here's the thing. I've u- I haven't used this uh, in a while, but like, if I was in a store and I was selling it to someone, I mean, I'm fair. So I'd be like, "Look, what type of games do you like? What are you looking for?" And if I explained all that to them and to them, and you know, uh, unless we had a demo unit running, I'd be like, "Look, then maybe it's not for you right now." Or come back on the switch when this and this comes out. You know, I try to find something that they want. So I get that argument, but I can't imagine. I mean, you'd have to be shit. I don't know, like. That's a tough one. It's a tough one because Zelda truly does deserve what the praise it's getting, and it's such a high standard. So it's tough, you know. the The people who don't like that game are going to be in the minority. Yeah, and 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 you know, everything I've experienced and seen tells me this is a fantastic game that I will right. probably like too. It's just I again I go back to that not liking the idea of saying one specific type of game is enough for you. It's right. like it's like, you know, okay, if you like JRPGs, then Persona Five is all you need. Well, maybe that's not what I want. You know, maybe it's not the style I'm looking for, maybe it's not the kind of game I'm looking for. Maybe I don't like this or that or whatever, you know. It's just like I don't I don't like this idea that everybody should like Zelda and shut up. And I get that. I'm not I'm not gonna be in that camp. I think just from a just from like a design perspective or and I'm not the best person to ask because I'm not a cat you know, I'm not a casual, so it's the wrong you know. But I can understand the aspect of, you know, where it's not enough. And I did pose this question to you on purpose because you've said this for years. Your rule of thumb with the system is there has to be at least three games you really want to justify the purchase of a system. Yep. But I think I do have to ask this question because and I do it does seem like Switch is gonna get some support and they've got stuff in the pipeline, but like Zelda is so damn good that, you know, are we truly and I even said that this reminded me a lot of the N sixty four in terms of its potential pacing and the comeback. Is Zelda enough right now? Like, you know it's uh it's 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 a hard it's a hard thing when you have like one of the greatest games ever, but at the same time it's it's all you've got right now. You know, we could go back and forth all day. I'm giving you the, one of the greatest gaming experiences of all time. What, like, that's not enough? Like, are you really going to sit down and play much else for a while? But at the same time, it's like, I get your point. It's like, you know, you spent 300 bucks. You know, if you get a pro controller, the system in a case, you're in 400 bucks. Yeah. So is it, or we're $400 in. Does Zelda justify it? I, I don't know. My last question to you before we move on, and we'll get to some stuff where you can give some insight real quick why what was your disliking of mario 64 again 
I, I just didn't find it fun. I mean, I, I there's not, there's not, I know that I know, I know people are like, how can you say that? <laughs> like, but you know, we, we, we lived in the world where people will put pineapple on their pizzas. So there's no accounting for taste. No, to I'm, not, I'm not trying to, I'm, look, you know, I respect your opinion. I have said this time and time again, I'm not going to backpedal. Like when you give a high score in a game, it's justified and you believe it. I know you don't lie, but like what? Was it the pacing? But I mean, like, okay, to be fair, I haven't liked most of the 3D Zelda I've played. So I think it's just something about the way Nintendo games, at least some of them, convert to 3D that, I don't know, just doesn't gel with me. But, you know, to be clear, I was never a Mario fan in the first place. And I do understand that. I get that. So, I mean, uh, you, you know, I, I don't yeah. like the character. I don't really like the world. I don't care about it. I don't care about most of the people in it. Um... You know, I mean, I, I, I played the original because it, that was just like this most hyped thing in the entire universe sure. at that point. And I got two and two was kind of weird. I never actually owned three. I did play it, mm. but never actually owned a copy of, of Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, I owned World because it came with the system and I did like it, but... Yeah, World World was great. Yeah, Mario games were always for me um, like the, yeah, they're fun to play, but I'm not going to go out of my way to have one Right. kind of game at that mm. point. Uh, I liked Zelda more, and I, you know, I loved um, Link to the Past, and I loved like the original Zelda. You know, my thing was like I was way more into Metroid. Like Metroid was my, you know, Nintendo franchise, mm. and I just, I just didn't care about Mario, and just something about, I don't know, like I didn't, I, I, but see, I don't like a lot of 3D platformers. Period. Like. I don't care about Conquer. I don't care about Banjo Kazooie. I don't care about you know the 3D Sonics, uh, Sonic Adventure. I don't care about. Um, so I th- well, that's more heartbreaking, yeah, because you know how I feel. Like, yeah, that's yeah. more heartbreaking. Yeah, so I think it's more yeah. just that style of game. I just don't like in 3D. Mm. Like I also mean to be clear, I don't like Jack and Daxter. I don't like Ratchet and Clank. Ooh, I like. I remember playing the first one that came out. I I did enjoy Jack and Daxter yeah. at the time, but that was a long time. Yeah, ago. I said Ratchet and Clank. I don't really care about. Um, mm. uh, Voodoo Vince. Voodoo Vince is just coming back out. One of one of Dave's favorites. Uh, what? It's coming back. What yeah, are you they're like the, about? they're they're doing the new like HD remaster of it. No, they, they are. I not. swear to God, they are. This is more bull. <laughs> when was that announced? It's uh here. Voodoo. Is that that's Vince. Microsoft exclusive, right? Xbox One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What made them dig that? I, I, it's Voodoo Vince remastered, coming early 2017. I have no idea. Like, okay, it's coming April 18th. Did DH get a job at Microsoft? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know why they would bring that out, but you know that oh, or wow. or. Blinks the time cat, and I can I can name all of these because of Dave, by the way. Um, well, I remember the covers. Yeah, you know, yeah, Blinks I, time I remember, cat. Yeah. Uh, uh, Blinks the time sweeper. I think. Uh, so yeah, time time Sonic time sweeper. Yeah. Uh, Croc, Bugsby, a uh, Busby. You know, <laughs> um, whatever oh, his name was. Um, so oh, there's a re- yeah. So three D platformers, like I just don't care about, and I think it's part of the reason why I didn't care about Mario because I just don't like that kind of game. Mm. Um, I I do I I know we bring this guy up every once in a while. It's it must be our fascination. But uh, I was I actually made a statement to Neil uh, last month. I said, you know, I wish just for one month, Dave Halverson was back in the industry for the month of like 
January and February just to get his reviews on like a half dozen of those titles that just came out just so I could get new quotes. No, I look, look, I, you know, I, everybody I mean, knows I have history with him. It's, it's complicated history. But like I, I, I legitimately miss him being around because even if I thought some of his opinions were just complete right. insanity, like right. it was still fun to have him. And, you know, you you at least couldn't not love the fact that he just the, effing the loved games. Yeah. What do you, a couple quick ones on him, like speculating. First off, what do you think he would be writing about the new Zelda? I mean, it, it would be like, it would have to be mind-blowing. I just think back, to, you know, think back to like the Cybermorph LSD write-up, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, just all just all the craziness, like eight, like probably at least eight pages of just walls of text about adventuring and all the stuff you can find and things like that. Do you know the one, I don't know if this would be the, like if I like could only pick one, I don't know if this would be my final choice, but do you know the review I wish I could see from him and it's not going to be for a couple months? Sonic Mania. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he at least gets to play that. You know, like I said, I don't, yeah. like, I don't even know like where he's at, what he's doing. He's I don't like, just kind of I checked the game fan page recently and. GameFanMag.com, as of the last few days I checked, I almost texted you. It was still under, it was like, we'll be back soon. Yeah. So I don't but, know where he's uh, at, but I'm, I'm, like, I imagine, like, I'm, like I'm, sure he, I'm sure he would love Nier, for example. Yeah, it's like, for, yeah, oh, yeah, with that female lead character and the, you know, it's it's one of those things, I'm with you, it's like, for that guy and his passion in games, like, what a time right now, like, to not be... You know, riding yeah. or you know what I'm trying to say. Like, what a what a time frame to miss. I don't. Now, this is going to sound like hyperbole from me, but like, and I don't mean this. Like, I feel one of the greatest years in gaming, or the greatest year in gaming. I felt. Have we ever mentioned this on the show? Which one? Uh, uh, have we ever talked about what we felt the greatest year in video gaming? I don't. Was I don't think ourselves? so. I would say 1998. Hmm. That's my pick. But I would say right now, damn, if it's not like one of the best years, it's the one of the best damn quarters in gaming history. Because see, like when you say that, I think like I think picking a year is really hard um, because there's like just so many things. But I, I, I think back, there's that image that floats around about it's the fall and holiday 2001 PS2 lineup. Do you know the image I'm talking about? Well, yeah, that was the. Oh no, wait, that's. I, I apologize, I'm lying. 2000 was the PS2 launch, so 2001. You got to refresh my memory. Yeah. So okay, so the it's like you know here's what we've got coming out for this holiday, and the games are Ace Combat Four, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, Devil May Cry, mm. Final Fantasy X. Wow. Gran Turismo 3, Grand Theft Auto 3, Eco, Jack and Daxter, wow. Metal Gear Solid 2, <laughs> and Silent Hill 2. Damn. So I mean, I mean, you think about like that that kind of holiday and like right. how amazing <laughs> that just that lineup alone right. is. So I think like right. 2001's a pretty good year. Like I think I'd have to sit down and like look at like charts, but there are certain years that have been much better than other ones. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like 2017 could be a good year because right. I think, I think like some of the things I've been working on 
for this generation are finally kind of coming to fruition. I agree. I feel like we finally, uh, they're finally starting to hit their stride. Would you agree with yeah. that? Yeah, I agree with that. And and I mean, like, it's it's nice too because I think in, even right now is showing it is we're also getting to the point where Japanese companies are are like I hate to say they're back because they never went away. Yeah, I, I get that same feeling, but you know they it was it was very obvious that, that Japanese companies had a rough time last generation yeah. of getting you know into tool sets and you know uh, um, development engines and things like that. So I feel like this is a generation that like they finally found their footing again, and and we're really seeing that too. Yeah, I agree. So let me ask you this: Moving along, uh, we are now at the one hour and fifty minute mark on GVGP twenty five. Want to thank our listeners uh, for tuning back in. So, so okay, before you and, go on, yep. Because since you haven't played it, do you want to save one of these topics till next show? Oh, you're talking about the one that starts with an N, ends with an R, and has an IE in the middle? <laughs> Say it begins with an N, ends with ear? Yes. <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, I would just say real quick, sure. um, to talk about Nier, Nier Automata, you know, the, the new game from Yoko Taro and Platinum Games, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's just really quick So for, to try to convince people to go buy it themselves. Um and I know you're going to know this. There's like the kind of B tier in Japanese gaming that there's a whole lot of games in that B tier. Right. Where you're always like, these are really cool ideas, but the team just didn't have what it took to really make that idea work. And I think a lot of times when you get kind of Japanese open world or more adventure um action games the combat can often be really bad not necessarily really bad but it can be mediocre or it can just be kind of okay you, you, you know what i mean like yeah like yeah games where combat you just tell cert- yeah just isn't like so fun or it's the same Whether it be timing budget scheduling yeah. or certain something takes a hit yeah and like and like you have the same kind of like you know three sword swings over and over and over again right Stuff like that. Maybe something like I'm being harsh, like an One Chan Butter or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Like it's not bad. But yeah, yeah, not quite. Yeah, and Nier's not quite that level, but Nier feels like that kind of middle of the road Japanese game that we all know and love so much, where then those certain things that really needed that polish actually got them. Oh, okay. Where the combat is fantastic. The storytelling is great. The characters are interesting. The the soundtrack is unbelievable. Oh yeah, it's it's oh my god, it's so good. Um, that good, yeah. Huh? It's like it's like I want to buy the soundtrack. Good. I don't know why I got this vibe from it. I, I I don't know why, and I did play the demo, but I don't know what it is. I get like a Zone of the Enders like second runner vibe from this game. I haven't played. I, know I haven't played that. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm saying that. Like I, I don't know what it is. I'm trying to think. I get is. Hmm. Go ahead. It's certainly not like a mech combat game. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying it's like a, it's because of that. There's just something about it. I don't know what it is. It's re- but, uh, It really was not what I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. And like I'm trying to think of a good comparison, and I can't offhand. 
Um, it's just you know, like I mean, it's not it's it's not on the same level because I think Gravity Rush didn't do it as much. But I think anybody who plays Gravity Rush, there's this kind of feeling of something's not right the entire time. Like there's something weird about the world, and everything's just a little bit off, and it makes it in a way kind of just unnerving and and creepy mm-hmm. um and that's definitely a, an aspect also that near has where just right from the beginning you're like okay things aren't really what they're supposed to be and it just keeps like building more and more and more and like i said i, I don't want to say, mm-hmm. say too much because i think it'd be better once you've played it so we can both talk about it but i think anybody out there who's who's wondering about it i think it's fantastic and so I gave it an 8.5 just because it does have some technical things. It does have some areas where it could be better. There's a few storyline choices I didn't care for too much, but it it feels like just so different. And I'll go back into Gravity Rush, like how Gravity Rush didn't feel like any game you knew. It felt like its own kind of thing that stood out from everything else. I think Nier is uh, Automata is very much the same way. Like you'll play wow. you'll play it and you'll be like this doesn't feel like anything that I've played otherwise. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's certainly not an easy feat to accomplish these days where uh, new ideas are so thin and it's so tough to do something that hasn't been done before. Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, here we go. I got a little note here just as a reminder. Persona 5 is only 25 days away as of this recording tonight. Yes, it is. And then also as a friendly reminder to listeners, if you still haven't taken that plunge on uh, PlayStation 4 or you don't have a PlayStation 4 yet, don't forget it's still coming to PlayStation 3. Which I, I, I keep thinking, like, should I buy a PS3 copy as well? I think in a weird way, even though, okay, so there is that nice box set on PS4, which probably has the ability to, to go up in value. I think that's possible, but I think at least standalone, I think the PS3 one's going to certainly wind up being the rarer of yeah. the two. You know what I mean? Because I bet you stores, like physical stores, like I would imagine they're only going to get like exactly the amount of the PS3 copies that are pre-ordered or maybe one or two extra on top of it, maybe. that print. I'm thinking that print run's got to be pretty low, don't you think? I, I feel like it is, and the thing is, is like I have a lot of like the older... Persona game still sealed and everything, so I kind of feel like I should have it on on PS3, just to kind mm-hmm. of you know commemorate where it was supposed to be. Um, and right. by the way, let me just say real quickly uh, to go back to your first one second. I am actually thinking about buying a physical copy, which tells you what I think of it. Because looking at my PS4 shelf, three, four, five, I have nine PS4 games physically. That's it. That's like all I own. So like I I unless I mean, the only time I ever buy a, a PS4 game physically is if I really, really care about it and want it to kind of be there. Mm. So I'm actually thinking about getting it. Oh, and uh, the PS3 copy is only $43. Where at? On Amazon. Oh, really? And then with my Prime savings, it's 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 $39.99. Oh, damn, that's not bad. I might have to order it. That's not bad. Yeah, cause I, cause I think you're right. I think it's going to be... I think that's going to be a be much smaller run because, like, you know, this yeah. isn't the, this isn't the one. This is like a Atlas saying, "Look, we know we promised it to you, so we'll get it to you." 
but this is not going to be the game that's going to be on store shelves for very long. I think this is not going to be the one that you're no. going to go to a store and be able to. No, find. because even like even like your I hate to keep bringing them up, but like your GameStops, like they like their PS3 section is like in a corner. Like they still have a pretty healthy like used section for PS3, but like I mean, it is slim pickings on you know new stuff. You know. Yeah, so I, I might I might have to order this. Um, I watched uh, one of the latest trailers for it the other uh, night on the official PlayStation YouTube channel. I saw the latest trailer for Persona 5. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It sounds like we're being paid off or uh, I'm running out of uh, words to describe things, but it looked amazing. I can't say much about it. Um, yeah. I can tell you, I said this on Twitter, that I I think visually, and I, and I, I want to be clear, I don't mean in terms of just graphics, when you think of what a game looks like visually, like you think of what that means, yes, the graphics, but the menus, the design, the style, character designs, everything about what a game is on a physical, a visual level, I think Persona 5 is the most impressive JRPG I've ever seen. Like, it's, it's so... You know what it is? Is remember when like Steve Jobs announced the iPhone, the original iPhone, and you kind of looked at yeah. every other phone that was out there, and you're like, "Wow, this iPhone just looks like another level." Right. Like that to me is Persona Five. <laughs> like it looks like it's on another level in terms of visual design that every other JRPG hasn't hit. It's just like it's it's mind blowing in, in in certain regards. Am I allowed to ask a question and then you can either answer it or not? Like whether you're allowed to or not, it's a weird question. Okay. Like do you remember, like in Persona Four and Persona Three, like you'll go to certain areas or like when you shop around and like you'll see little animations of them like sitting down and eating or like there's a lot of attention to detail in that respect. Or like if if it's like, hey, meet me here after school or we'll go get like a ramen bowl and then you see them talking like. At the bar, you know, at the restaurant, mm-hmm. you see them, like, the animation of them actually eating and then, like, the hearts, like, for the bond or whatever. Yeah. Is there a lot more of that in this, like, in terms of, like, do they have they have a ton of, like, animations and, like, a lot of little touches that really don't even have to be there? But oh, yeah. They're, they're there. Like, I think, I think, and this isn't quite what you're talking about, but I think it's a good example, is, like, um, there's transitional graphics uh, depending on, you know, when it's loading scene to scene. Yeah, because for example, like you, you ride the subway and to get from different parts of Tokyo, uh, so like those transitional graphics change depending on where you're at. So, for example, if you're getting on or off the subway, if you're in a subway station, then you see like these silhouettes of people like walking through the train station or or waiting on the sub on the on the train or things like that. Or if you're in school, it's like students walking down the hall. Um, it's like little things like that, and then like the the like character interactions like you're talking about and i think part of what makes it work just so much better this time around is the fact that it's got that catherine style to it yeah you know it's not like the old kind of and i mean it's it's so funny because i love persona 3 i love persona 4 but looking at them now they look so old and so out of date and so weird with just like the kind of you know kind of it's almost it's hard to hear that because it had such an awesome look yeah i mean I, hmm. But the the way the the it's you know the the more 
properly proportional characters and world and everything just looks on like a totally different level than previous Persona games. At least at least three and four. Hmm. I mean, I I can't believe I don't know where to go from here because it's like we've talked about so many great titles, and now we've got this thing coming yep. up in uh, hundred some hours weeks. of your life to devote to this game. Oh, you know what? I don't know if you can talk about... Okay, so you said Nier Automata had an awesome soundtrack. Does the soundtrack on this live up to P3 and P4? I, I can't answer that because... <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I... Well, just because L- I... L- Lion, say you watch the Twitch stream. Well, no, I mean, no, it, no, it's, no, no, it, no it's too... It's like two good of our problems. His first is because Nier caught me off guard so much in terms of soundtrack... Right. That I think I haven't paid enough attention to Persona 5 soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't really listened to it enough. So I need to but kind of... your soundtrack is that good, It's huh? so good. It's so good. Like, I literally today, like, there's... And it's funny because the there's the, uh, one of this, like, the kind of, like, title track songs with actual vocals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard it, I'm like, I kind of, like, don't like this song. But then I heard it enough times that, like... Just today alone, I played it like probably twenty times in a row. Wow! And it's, the soundtrack is so good. And one of the coolest parts, and I guess this might be a little bit of a spoiler, uh, so skip ahead like thirty seconds or you know so, um, is that there's a certain thing you can do, like a special skill that one character has, right. and it goes into this weird like computer world. And when it does that, it makes whatever music track was playing turn 8-bit really so there's 8-bit versions of all the songs jesus so it it goes like you have this fully like orchestrated song you know orchestral song and then it'll instantly switch to like the 8-bit version and switch back out once you're done and they have like three different versions of every song there's like a quiet version a regular and a dynamic so whatever's going on in the world at time the music will like get like really soft and low-key or everything or it'll like kick in and vocals will kick in and stuff like that so they do a lot of work with like the music and the the audio Mm. it's such a good it's really good out but see i've heard i've heard the soundtrack for the original near is actually really good too so Mm. i wonder what square is thinking to themselves not that it wasn't a success it it did well sales wise and all that but i wonder what they're thinking of themselves after the release of ff15 and now near and 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 near and what's funny is um, near has gone back and forth between having a Metacritic of ninety, and so I think I think Square Enix had no idea that it was going to get this reaction, right? You know, I think they were like, uh, we hopefully maybe, maybe like seven point five eight or you know right. something like that. Like I I think they're probably really surprised by now right now mm-hmm. about just how good of scores it's getting. I would assume, and obviously we we truly don't know. I would assume this would strengthen the relationship between Platinum Games and Square. I mean, it's definitely something that I think Platinum Games needed, right? Because after you ha- oh, say that again, please. I think it's something that Platinum needed. Absolutely, I, not that they were like bad, but like you know, you had Scalebound canceled. Yeah, they haven't really had that like hot. You had Transformers like, came out and it really didn't do much. You had um, with the, the 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 Turtles, the TMNT game that came yeah, out and really didn't do yeah. much. You had Scalebound yeah. canceled. You know, so they haven't kind of had great, you know, track re- track record recently. Right. So. Hmm. 
Uh, we just we got a few few things left here, and it shouldn't take too long here as we're starting to get into the final stretch on the Generic Video Game Podcast episode 25. Uh, I don't have the thing in front of me, but uh, as always at radio.morningproject.com. The official site, check out Molly on Twitter at M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. That's Molly Penn. Find myself at 24BitAJE with the number 2, the number 4. Morn Radio, M-O-R-N-R-A-D-I-O. Don't be afraid to either tweet us, DM us, email us, uh, any questions or comments you may have, or maybe what you want to see in further discussions. Uh, I don't have the email address in front of me, though. I know it's usually in the show notes at morningproject.com and we do have at least one email that we will get to on the next show but um okay. all right yeah if you want to if you want to email us about anything either that we talked about or otherwise gvgp at morningproject.com send us an email and we'll read it so all right I just have a couple things left and then whatever you've got to say on close out here anything you'd like to add a uh, really quick another surprise fire pro wrestling <sighs> world Coming to Steam and PlayStation Four this year. It's two D still. I'm so happy. You don't. Oh yeah, I'm yes, yes. So happy about this game. Yes, I'm so yes. excited. And online, yep. online matches. <laughs> so I have a few quick things to, to about this. Um, so there was uh, an interview done with I don't know who this is. It's it says it's Matsumono, but I don't know what his position on the game is. But for example, they said um, they had actually tried making it 3D, but uh, it says we did develop a 3D model at the development company in Shibuya, but as expected, it was useless. It had to be 2D. Really? The fans probably also want 2D, so it was decided to go with 2D from the start. And by the way, this is Fire Pro Arena who did the translation of these uh, questions. Um, it's called Fire Pro World because you can go online and play, so you can play against other people from around the world, and they oh, okay, want... Okay fans from everywhere to kind of come together in that. Um, the PC version is compatible with Steam Workshop, so you can share your own wrestlers. And they are looking at seeing if they can maybe do it for the PS4 version as well. Yeah, that would be huge. They said, uh, I was thinking about outputting data with character strings, but that was about three pages long that it would take of, of, of you know, characters in order to, to, like, instead of, like, a password kind of a thing, you know? So it'd be way oh, too long to do it that way. So they're looking for something for that. Um, he thinks there'll be about 80 new moves in the early stages. Uh, it's, they're considering adding more after release as well. Um, in terms of wrestling styles and likes, he doesn't think everything has to necessarily keep up with reality. He says, uh, you know, Mudo's catchphrase is, I am pro wrestling love. Before that, I'm fire pro love. So they're they're like, yes, this is about wrestling, but it's also got to be mm. important about what fire pro itself is. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll simultaneously release on the Japanese version and the English versions. It's come out at the same time. And I think, what is it? It's uh, Steam Early Access um, in Q2, I think. And then... Oh, so maybe early summer. And then later this year for both... So maybe fall. Um, and then, let's see, they say... Singles, cage, deathmatch, MMA matches, octagon fights, tournaments, leagues. Yeah, you can do leagues, tournaments, uh, championships online. 
um, and some other stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's it's literally it's old school Fire Pro. They they're doing a filter effect on the 2D sprites. They did not go back and redraw everything. And I think if you're like a real Fire Pro fan, you understand why because there's just like so much to this game. I think this is one of those kind of things where we're lucky to have it exist, period. Mm. So I, I think, you know, not having completely redone sprites is not a big concern to me. I care about the gameplay. I care about the the customization, you know, the depth of those kind of things. So I am just, like, super hyped about this. Yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, I'll definitely be on board uh, if I was being a greedy snot uh, while I never owned it, um, I think you might have. You owned Fireman, or you owned um, Six Man Scramble on Saturn, the one with the larger sprites but small roster. Yeah, so Six Man Scramble was the first game I ever owned, and then I owned was it Fire Pro Wrestling D? Is that the Dreamcast? Yeah, version? I have. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, one. and then yeah. and then Returns for PS2. But Six Man Scramble that was done by the Fire Pro team, wasn't it? But it was more arcadey and larger sprites. No, I no, I don't think it's that. Um, I mean, it, so it, was, just, it I, certainly was an arcade It was like, like I mean, I literally printed out like a hundred-some page FAQ off the internet in order to play the game and know what everything was. So For Six Man Scramble? Yeah. Wow. Are you not thinking of something else? What am I thinking of? I don't know. Oh, you know what? Am I thinking of Blazing Tornado? Because uh, there was something on Saturn that had awesome-looking sprites, but it was a small cast. Maybe maybe you are thinking about that. I think I'm thinking of Blazing Tornado. What I was going to say Fire Pro Gaiden rate Blazing Tornado. And it's got large sprites, right? I think it's it it looks like that's what you're thinking of. Yes. Yeah, yes, say, that's what you're thinking I mean, of. I would love yeah. I would love uh, Fireman to Could you imagine that? Which one? With that could you imagine that with that look oh. with all the options? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. As I just from the being... problem is just at this point it's it's um just too expensive to do two D sprites. Right. Because of H D. Uh, which I can which I can't. Is it be okay, hold on. Is it because it's a dying art, is that why it's so expensive or is it just due to the time? I think I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a dying art. I and you you like I think it's hard to comprehend how much more work you have to put into H D sprites. Oh like how many more pixels go in. How much harder it is to to make something look good? Because you think about like Neo Geo, right? And I think the resolution was like three twenty p or something like that. Yeah, I didn't think of that. You know, and maybe at most like four eighty p. Right. You know, there there's like, you know, you know whatever the multiple multiplication is for for how many more pixels you need per character at this point. I see. And you you know, and if you had them be like just big chunky pixels, and people bitch about that. That's why I think you look at all these kind of. like 2D remakes, and they're 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 like there's a weird place that we're in as to do, if they redraw sprites, they look really cheap, right? And kind of like flash, you know, artwork. So King of Fighters 13 must have been a hit. I mean, that must have really been. Well, see, the funny part is, is King of Fighters 13 like those sprites aren't even HD. They're like bigger sprites, but even then, after they they made them, then they blew them up. So the sprites you're seeing on screen at any given time aren't even in their original resolution. Yeah, see, that's crazy because I thought that was that was a beautiful looking game. Oh no, it's beautiful, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny. No, I know, like, I know what you mean. Like a midway point of how big to make the sprites. Wow. See, how big were they? 
sprites because they i mean they weren't like like i said because like, you know it's like oh they're they're kind of redrawing or, you know they were making all their sprites in in hd and everything but you actually if you actually go online and look at them they're i think they might be i think they might be as tall as like neo geo games would be period so you're looking about because I'm, I'm looking at terry and terry is about 229 pixels tall so if you think of of our tvs now being 720 pixels or right or 1080 pixels like 229 is is tiny right so that's crazy well as we start to wrap it up one more i got one last snippet here um real quick it looks like uh wonder boy the dragon's trap is going to be coming pretty soon yeah uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch owners. Uh, by the way, just to give credit where credit's due, this one, I'm just rattling this off from Silicon Era the other day. Uh, and Switch owners will be able to grab digital copies of the adventure on April 18th, so that's a little over a month. The PC version will arrive a few weeks later. And uh, this comes on the heels of the news that passwords from the Sega Master System original Wonder Boy 3 Dragon Trap will work with the game. I didn't know that. Uh, in addition to the release date, another Wonder Boy, The Dragon's Trap bit of news has been teased. Emma will be making another announcement regarding the game on March 22nd. So once again, Wonder Boy, Dragon's Trap will be coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch, April 18th. Well, interesting thing with that, uh, the biggest thing of note with the new trailer is um, it looks like you can switch back and forth yep. between HD and uh, old school visuals. Much like uh, Ultra Street Fighter 2 or the one that Udon worked with with Capcom. A few years ago, ironically, making its way back to Switch end of May. So it seems like it took a cue from that title where you get, uh, you know, they probably put that fresh coat of paint on, but within similar parameters uh, and hitboxes and whatnot of the old school game to maintain that feel. And and um, I, I don't, this isn't the game I think I most would have wanted. Because I personally liked, uh, if we're talking about just Genesis games, for example, I, I liked uh, Wonder Boy Monster World better. And then, of course, oh yeah, that yeah. And then, of course, we had Monster World Four. Um, but so I, I this isn't a bad game, but I, I think, I really wish it would have been Monster World instead. Mm. But I'm still very excited for this, uh, and it's it's really neat. That they you can do the switch back and forth between the old graphics and the new graphics, but I think the password thing is really crazy. Because I'd actually, yeah, I, I'd actually heard about that a, a little while back, um, and that I mean, that you would never expect. So to be able to go back and like actually use like the old passwords you might have and put them in, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, I can't believe we knocked out north of two hours here on gbgp 25 and uh i want to thank you once again for getting together tonight did you have any uh parting words or closing words for gamers uh the next time we record um i should have more news on my further adventures in zelda hopefully have cracked open near by then and persona 5 will have just officially released i'm just like buried in good games i mean it's it's just like we've already talked about, but I, I just can't believe how much good stuff there is out there right now. And, you know, I mean, I, I feel like at this point in time, 
like, I mean, the whole quarter one thing is it's still pretty recent. You know, I feel like a couple years ago is when it first really started up. When it was, okay, we can't get this game up by holiday, so we'll push it back. And they push it back to quarter one because that's when no, no other games were coming out. And now, like, quarter one is all of a sudden, like, the new holiday season, right? And and I feel like this was the time when we used to be like, okay, what's coming at E3? But, like, I can't even think about E3 right now. You know? <laughs> it's like, I've got way too many games to get done before E3. Like, like, like good lord, like, you know, the new Mass Effect's about to come. I have to say, and I've said this many times before, it's not a knock on the series. Thank God I'm not a Mass Effect fan. It's not because I don't like it or think it's bad. It's just I, it's just one of those things not on my list. Thank God. Because that's, I mean, I would imagine that that game is going to be gargantuan in and of itself as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't even have a clue when I can get to that. And then, I mean, and, and you know, we're talking about are all these kind of bigger games but just looking at some of the stuff and i don't even have the, the full list written down but you know we've got the danganronpa uh re- reworkings for ps4 coming out we've got tokiden 2 coming out we've got the zero escape collection coming out um suda 51's the silver case is coming to ps4 you know first time. oh yeah that one i do yeah that one i do have on order yeah for some in english uh, Atlas just confirmed the date for the Caligula effect, which is by one of the guys who worked on the older Persona game. I think Persona Four, I think, or was it three? One of the two. Uh, we mentioned we mentioned Fire Emblem, and then uh, Summon Night Six is coming out. We've got Operation Babel. The I can never say it's Utawade Utawareru Mono. The, mm. the the two-part kind of RPG visual novel games that Atlas is bringing. Cloud and Returns. We have Tokyo Xanadu coming. We have Fault Milestone 1 coming. Um, Mary Skelter Nightmares. We have Danganronpa Volume 3. We still have Nino Kuni coming this year. Nino Kuni 2. Jesus. We uh, just announced uh, E7. It's coming this year. What's that coming to? That's coming to, is it, let's see, is it Vita and PS4? Yeah, P- PS4 mm. and Vita. Um, we have the Final Fantasy twelve remaster coming. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Zodiac Age was at this summer? Yeah, I think they haven't given it the full date, but yeah, I, th- I think it's yeah. the summer. Uh, Tokyo's Anna do EX Plus. So there, I mean, that's, and that's just a few things. There's also, let's see, any of this stuff. Um, Bloodstained isn't this year. No, it's 2018 now. <sighs> Dragon Quest Heroes 2 we still have to get. Um, Momodora just got announced. That really cool little, like, indie uh, Japanese platformer, action platformer. The yeah, so I mean, there's just like too much. There's too much. There's too much, <laughs> and, that, and that's all Japanese stuff. You know, that's not even yeah. including any of the big games we're gonna get. You know, are we gonna get God of War this year? Are we gonna get uh, Crackdown Three this year? Are we gonna get you know all this kind of stuff like that? We have Switch things coming, and, and you know, there probably be surprises for, for everything at E3. 
So it's just, it's going to be a good year gaming. Well, that gives us no shortage of anything to discuss. So that's a positive spin on it. Yep. So hopefully if we haven't gone blind from looking at our screens for 22 hours a day and we haven't gone bonkers, uh, we hope to be back within the next uh, few weeks here for the next generic video game podcast. Once again, want to thank everyone again for taking the time, subscribing mm-hmm. on iTunes. Uh, we love the feedback and the questions. And um, until next time, we hope you enjoy all of the new goodies that are out there no, on, no matter which system you have. And we will catch you sooner rather than later. Have a good one.